the VCG podcast is sponsored by Forget Me Not Flowers and Gifts in Barrie, Vermont. Forget Me Not Flowers and Gifts is at a new location on Main Street. So check them out if you're looking for flowers or gifts for someone in your life. Welcome to the Chaotic Goodcast, our weekly geeky roundtable. I'm your host, Doug Shute, and with me are my fellow casters, Ben Higgins from Quarterstaff Games. I took the Burger King Taco Challenge, and I regret everything. (laughs) I warned you, Ben. The Geek of the North, Jason Hunt. Do we even have Burger King in Canada? And our special guest caster from Gamerati, Ed Healy. I guess I'm special Ed. (laughs) Right? Is that what that means? Well done, sir. (laughs) Loud noises. All right. Without further ado, let's jump right into our first segment, New at the Store. Ben, take it away. Yeah, so again, another kind of quiet week leading up to Gen Con coming up here. So really only one new item that really was pounded down the doors is the second of the Choose Your Own Adventure series of games from Z-Man. The War with the Evil Power Master, based upon the book by R.A. Montgomery. Uh, These are really cool. They're they harken back to those choose your own adventure uh, novels that we all remember from the Scholastic Book Fair, and uh, yeah, the the games are fun. They're really full of nostalgia, really grabbing that you know '80s wave that's still going on right now. And yeah, no, it's uh, we've sold a bunch of them already, and I'm sure we'll be selling more as the week goes on. Nice, nice. Are those the ones that where the box looks like the cover of the old novel? Oh yeah, it's like. When you see it, it is it's everything. Yeah, I haven't played one of those yet. I haven't either. What's the TLDR version of how it plays? Uh, basically, take your choose your own adventure book and turn it into a board, and then you've got it. It's it's very much you make a move, and Mm -hmm. you'll read a little passage, and you'll decide whether you turn down the alleyway or you turn and fight the giant shadow that's coming up on you quickly. Like it's a it very much is the experience of the book, but done in a cooperative board game form. You know, the choose your own adventure type books I liked was the Lone Wolf series with Joe Deaver. The because they had little character sheets on. Yeah, those are those excellent books. Yeah. Yeah, um, I can I can see it being a, a slow week this week because of uh, uh, San Diego Comic Con. I would assume that, that that pretty much has everybody's attention uh, last weekend, and so we probably didn't see a whole lot of releases because of that. I'm thinking maybe. You think does that have anything to do with the 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 friendly local game store? Uh, you know, uh, uh, a few of the few of the bigger companies have presence at San Diego Comic Con, uh, Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast. Uh, they do a lot of magic announcements. They actually announced the the new magic set that's coming out in just a couple of months here, and I'm on board for that. We can talk about that a little bit. 
But for the most part, there's not a whole lot of board gaming at San Diego Comic-Con. It's a lot of pop culture, a lot of TV, movie, and all that stuff. But board gaming hasn't quite broken into into that yet. I know they've done a little bit with like Critical Role and some of the Geek and Sundry stuff previously. But uh, it's it's still kind of that very small part of the San Diego Comic-Con experience. Can you imagine the size of the venue that they would need if they decided to open it up to tabletop and board gaming and general role playing, they would basically be taking over the entirety of San Diego. <laughs> it, it, it would be that ridiculous. They already kind of do. I was yeah, going to say. Already, it's the only thing you can really do in San Diego when Comic-Con is on because it consumes so much in the way of resources. Like if they were to add I haven't been there since 2000. System, that would be a mess. Ed, you haven't been there since 2000? I've never been. No. Uh, it's one of those things that I'd like to go to at some point, but I, I it just, it, it's not high on my priority list at this point just because it's so massive. Yeah. Um, it's, almost the, it's almost the sort of thing, it's, it's like a lot of the larger conventions, even Gen Con, honestly, or um, if you're a, um, a miniatures gamer, um, Adepticon, you do it for three days, but there's just so many things to see and do. You literally cannot see everything because if you focus on one thing, you miss eleven other things. So you can't Disney for gamers do it all at once. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's like it's kind much. of thing where like you go one year and then the next year, like okay, I did this last year, I'm going to do this this year, and it takes you like a good four or five years to really see everything that happens every year. And at that price point, that's a lot to ask. Unless yeah, you're a local. yeah, absolutely. What is the price point? Do you know? Oh, it's cr- um, the VIP tickets. Last I saw, were selling for upwards of uh, four hundred dollars. That's and there's different grades of of VIP now as well. Yeah, so they probably have a version where you don't have to wait in line. Well, yeah, there's that's the that's exactly what it is. There's there's the autograph version. There's um, the um, the panel version, and the, the, there's but because it's such a massive event now, and there's so many different venues that they actually have to like tailor the the ticket setups to associate with all of those things. That's the way GDC is. Um, I haven't been there in a few years, but you know if you just want to go for the education then it's one price if you just want to go to the expo it's another price if you want everything it's like 1600 bucks Ooh, yeah but gdc is a phenomenal show if you're into that stuff yeah it looks like it's uh 66 per day uh with sunday being a little cheaper because it's not a full day so you're looking at you know 200 dollars, 215 dollars for the whole just San Diego Comic Con. Just to, to get go. in the door. Yeah. Just to get in the door. Yeah, and then if you want to get into a panel, they sell uh, tickets for those separately. In some cases, there's so they don't sell the whole venue as tickets, but they'll sell like the first several rows you can actually purchase, and then those drop up on eBay almost instantly for like triple the price. Of course. Now you want to be only twelve feet away from the cast of the latest marvel movie <laughs> it's gonna cost you an arm and a right i mean like i could see if you're like a big supernatural fan showing up for the, like the last panel they'll ever do because they're the show's over now there was actually quite a few last panels because all yeah. of the dc shows are, are coming off the air here in this next season like, what was the show they announced for the next last tranche that's going to be a tv show what was it 
um, for DC? Marvel. They announced there was a actually a TV show in the next oh series. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be a TV series, and so is Hawkeye. Hawkeye. That's the one I was thinking of. And, and there's one Wand, Wandavision too. It's the uh, Scarlet Witch uh, Vision show that's going to be on Disney Plus too. Yeah, yeah. And Loki's a TV show, and What If's going to be a TV show. Yeah. Oh, What If? Sounds- I'm excited about what if because I yeah, I love that that too. book. That, was, that comic was awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get dive into that here in a little bit. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little more about uh, Marvel Phase Four, which was uh, pretty much dominated the the news of uh, San Diego Comic Con at the end. There, uh, there were a couple of board game announcements though at San Diego Comic Con. One was the Funko. Uh, kind of unveiled their plans for uh, their board game entry Um, because it made news earlier this year that they were, you know, opening it up and and making board games, entering the board game industry, and folks were kind of curious as to what they were going to do, and uh, they unveiled this Funkoverse board games that uh, I guess it's a line of of, uh, board games and they'll come with custom pops and uh, the pops can hold different items as you play and it looks pretty interesting they showed that uh, it's going to have mostly uh, pop culture items uh, or mo- mostly pop culture uh, ips from harry potter rick and morty uh the dc comics and the surprising thing for me was the golden girls uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i love the fact that they did that that is so awesome yeah. One of the things that caught me about this is these are, you know, these are licensed IPs that Funko's using in their game. And some of them have board game licenses with other companies right now. So I'm kind of curious how some of these negotiations uh, went down. Because I know uh, US, uh, uh, the OP, uh, formerly USopoly, has uh, a lot of these licenses for board games and stuff using these characters. And um night models has the the miniatures of the harry potter series so like it'll be interesting to see if they if we run into some copyright protection stuff that maybe pops up because of this what i've seen over the last five to ten years we're gonna see too is um this is by and large like disney has its hands in this thing massively so I think what a lot of these companies are going to be doing is like, hey, you know, we give them the rights to do this and we've got a one-up with Disney if we need it for future kind of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's not part of the deal process right there. Well, the other thing to remember is a lot of these um, licensors are doing non-exclusive license now. So True. it's entirely possible that I mean, cause some of the IP holders that we have worked with in the like, let's say last five years, have switch have moved to switch their contracts from exclusive to non-exclusive. So, you literally get a contract to do a product, yeah, or just a, the products you're doing, and that's it. Yeah, right. So, you know, let's say you know each of the f- four of us want to do a Deadpool product, right? Well, you might have the permission to do Deadpool card game, and you know somebody else might have the permission to do the Deadpool collectible card game, and you know I just or another card game. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if, especially the larger pro- um, IP holders, are just non-exclusive now. Sure, sure. Sounds good. Yeah. And and WizKids has had. 
what's that, Jason? You know, you know what this is going to do on the other end of the game side of things too, is because they're making these new Funko game pops. Basically, that's going to explode the collecting market even more ridiculously than it already is. You're going to be able to buy these Funko pops and get them separately now, probably as well. So now they've got the regular Funko pops. They've got the expanded Funko Pops, and then they'll have these mini Funko Pops. Like, you, you're not going to be able to walk in stores because they're going to be built of Funko. I, I, <laughs> I, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. That that kind of reminds me of um, what are the uh, what were the video games that had the figures that you could buy? The, uh, Skylanders were the first ones, Infinity, kind of on the market. Skylanders, yeah. um, Infinity. Yeah, the Disney Infinity. It'd be interesting to see if Funko kind of does uh, does that kind of well, uh, retail. Imagine they put out a Batman game. Okay, bang, there's your Batman. All of those figures are going to be collectible. They're all, well, whether they come out as collectible or not is not the point. They will be collectible because you're going to have the guys out there who are going to say, okay, well, I have everything that was ever released by Funko in the Batman, the Batman universe, and they're going to have to buy this too. So somebody's gonna buy this game for like thirty nine ninety nine, throw them up on eBay, and be popping them off for fifty bucks a shot, or holding on to the figures for two years and selling the well, figures for hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, or that too. Yeah, like even the Golden Girls ones. I guarantee you, everybody's gonna want the Golden Girls figure. Now, I I will say that I know one of the designers behind um, the Funko uh, board games, this Funkoverse, and I I know he has worked with the the op a little, so I I wouldn't be surprised if they're kind of uh, uh, pulling from, you know, the same talent pools, to be honest. So, that'd be, I guess that's a smart move for them as well. Well, from I, a marketing standpoint, it's huge. Yeah. You know, it was um, an interesting Funko like product that I ran into recently. You know, like, did you remember that Kickstarter with the guy with the laminated map books? Mm hmm. So, his first product he ever did, well, his one of his previous products that he did through a different company was essentially a Funko Pop, but it was um, also like, remember Light Bright? Yeah. Yeah, so I remember it, this. It, 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 you, you put the little pegs into the Funko Pop, and it like glows from the inside, and and it's like so it's like a mashup of a Funko Pop and Light Bright. That's pretty cool. And I forget I forget what they were called, but they <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was kind of like you know build your own Funko Pop out of pegs that that light up. Oh, well, like the the Games Workshop guys just licensed three or four Funko minis as well. They've got um, three built-in ones. There's a Blood Angel, an Ultramarine, and a can't remember the third one but there's a fourth one that comes out that's just basically a plain model it's a plain gray and you can paint that to whatever space marine chapter you want mm. so like the the gw store that i was in on the weekend when i was in the city they couldn't keep them at all on the shelf they have one on the display and they won't sell that one because it's part of the display but every time they get them in they're like nope all gone nope i'll take 12 well. i'll take five take three <laughs> Yeah, Fun- Funko's just doing some crazy business over these last few years. They, they just must be nice. Be- yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but the other thing that that was kind of announced, and I don't know if this was announced at San Diego Comic Con, but Simon uh, announced their what is this like an electronic version oh, of their yeah. board games, or like yeah. it's like a tablet mat kind of uh, what it's. Kind of like what Fantasy Flight does with 
Call of Cthulhu, or Mansions of Madness, sorry, Mansions of Madness and Descent and Imperial Assault. Simon's kind of coming into this uh, area and doing their own thing with uh, implementing digital with their board games. What do we all think of that? You guys uh, take a look at this, uh, this preview video that they released? Yeah, I had a look at it when it first launched, and it's a neat idea, but I can see this being just a money sink that ends up not really going very far. It'll have one or two things that they launch with. It'll be just like a console. They'll launch with a few things exclusive, mm-hmm. and it'll be amazing. And everything else that comes out after it won't use the stuff the same way. It won't have quite the same functionality, or you'll have to buy extra stuff, and that, that'll be the death of it. Yeah, I largely don't care. I mean, honestly, if I want tech in my game, I prefer something more like XCOM. You ever play that board game? Yeah, that game is game. awesome, right? So I, I'd rather have something like that. But um, it'll be a and... novelty item, though. It'll be a huge novelty item. People will gobble it up. I guarantee you, they'll make money on it. But I don't the lifespan. Like just the smart dice by themselves, you're gonna have to buy more of those. You're gonna lose them. They're not gonna. They're gonna stop working. You're gonna need more. And the same with all the electronics, you know, your your kid's going to f- slop something on the board or you're going to slop something on the board or you're going to end up breaking a tablet or one of the little expansion pieces that they give you. And like, that's all going to be like extra outlay. Like, oh, geez, you know, I busted this $75 piece of this game. Well, now I need to go get another one. Well, that goes on the shelf. How does a smart dice work? It's got sensors uh, in the dice. They, they, uh, yeah, they had a diagram of it yeah. in the release. It was amazing. It, it, if it works correctly, it should be pretty cool. You just roll them, and you know whatever it comes up shows up on the screen. Yeah. Oh, it so it's kind of like an RFID, uh, whatever. They just communicate with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It tells. Oh, it basically okay. tells the system what side came up. So. Oh, that's cool. You yeah. don't like you. You get the action of rolling the dice, which I like. This kind of a novel idea. You get the action of rolling the dice and seeing what comes up, but then you don't have to type it in anywhere. You don't have to tell the game what you roll. The game just knows. Oh, that's nice. I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, th- that's pretty cool. I, I I think there's some pluses and some minuses to this. Um, I, I really am curious as to know what the um, what what the price point's going to be. First of all, second of all, what games is it going to support right out of the gate? And third, like how well is it going to function is it going to be really buggy and glitchy you know to start out if it is and you're pretty much shooting yourself in the foot unless it's unless you have a really well polished product right out of the gate then uh if you you're you're gonna you're gonna not have a good time trying to gain momentum with a product like this are they gonna invested some money in it like samsung is providing the core electronics for the board they're not a crappy company. I mean, they know what they're doing when it comes to electronics. So, like, I can see that part being good. My concern is with like all of the motion, all of the parts in motion. Like, if you, what if you, if you drop a smart dice and it comes loose? Well, there's your smart dice gone, you know. Or one of your kids steps on a figure, or you know, somebody folds the board wrong, or something like. But it's Jason, just one of those things. It's what? What? What about like just any other uh, video game system? Like, you drop a controller, you drop you know uh sensor like with these uh nintendo switches like the same thing can be said for for those units as well yeah it can but those companies have 
decades of design behind them for survivability when it comes to that sort of thing. And these guys are just right out of the gate with this. So unless they've play tested it to the, to like the ends of the earth and back, they're going to run into problems with this as soon as they launch. Do you know if they're offering it through retail or is it a direct only thing? I, I think uh, it looks like it was going to be a Kickstarter in yeah. 2020. So like it's still yeah. a ways out. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sure they'll have plenty of testing it out. I guess you'll be able to try it out at Gen Con this year, um, like a yeah, really early cool. ver- version of it. Sounds One thing cool. that I will say that it will be very cool with this, though, is um, you if you remember from a few episodes ago when we were all kind of semi-down on some of the CMON games because they pump out so many games in such frequency that it's difficult to keep up, this will be a great way for them to sell their own products if they launch this Tenbrew thing, I think that's how you pronounce it. Tebru, Tebru, Tebru. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So if they launch this thing and you can buy the Zombie Side expansion pack sitting right next to it, go home, actually play Zombie Side right out of the box without having to buy the Kickstarter boxes that have a million friggin' minis in them. Now it's crazy, and paint all of those and then find a way to use them like this. You're gonna take it home. You open up the box. You set it up. Boom. You're playing. That will have people saying, "Oh, well, this was fun." Maybe I should go get that box. And the other thing that I think is going to be a big plus with this is uh, solo play. So I think a lot of these games are going to have mechanics where uh, the the, the electronics is going to take on, you know, the the bad guys. And and you're going to be able to play against it. Or even replacing players that you don't happen to have at your table. Like if you're playing a game that's suggested for four people, say, okay, this person's a player. I'm a player. The other two were played by the game. Like, let it make the yeah, random choices. It probably will have that option. Yep. Like that, that would be, that would really be a selling point as well, because there's lots of times when, you know, you've got, you, you bring some friends over, somebody can't make it. Oh, we're down a player. And this game really only works with four people. Well, hey, let's let the computer be player number four. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, though. There's very few board game categories that I enjoy playing digital versions of. Like, deck builders were great on a tablet, for instance. Absolutely. Yep. Ascension, for instance, is actually better. Star Realms is better as an app than it is as a I, card I game. Totally agree with that, Ed. Right, but pretty much anything else, I don't want an app. I I don't want a digital version. If I want a video game, I'm gonna play a video game. I'd rather you just make a video game. Like I I, I don't like I I don't want to play Axis and Allies, for instance, since I spoke about it earlier. I don't want to play that on a computer. If I want to play <laughs> Axis and Allies on a computer. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, yeah, yeah I, I just, I'm not, I, I'm not interested in. You don't want I mean, to smart dice are cool and all, but don't care, you but, know. Ed, have you played um, any of the Fantasy Flight games, like, uh, like Descent and Imperial yeah. Assault, with with the yeah, app? And, and I, I don't want to play them with the app. I okay. just want to play the games. Yeah, it's. I'm weird. I know. Maybe. No, no, I, that's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm the total opposite with the Imperial Assault and and Descent. I would rather play with the app, than mm. and make it a co-op experience than have, uh, you know, a four versus one and have because nobody likes to play the like. When I get my friends together, they, they nobody wants to play the Overlord. Like, so, so do you it's... ever play Letters from Whitechapel and you and you guys just nobody wants to be the rip the Jack the Ripper. I that no not 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 with us we I but wow. I I'm I'm one of the weird people that that's my like role I love doing that I love 
the testing runner. my brain against the four other people. Yep. So yeah. All right. So you like being the runner. Same thing with yeah. what is it? Uh, what's the the, the fury of Dr- sorry fury of Dracula? Oh, yep. Yep. I still think yeah. they should make a free. I, I am that guy. <laughs> I am that guy who will play the bad guy that everyone else is trying to defeat in the game. I'm happy doing that sort of thing. That's my jam. Okay. Yeah, and and I don't necessarily like or dislike it. I enjoy, I enjoy playing board games on dead trees, with <laughs> plastic and you know like. Oh, yeah. I just um there are some exceptions uh, of digital tools like XCOM is a great example where I actually really enjoy that element of XCOM. Um, and there's been some games that, you know, there's music and stuff that plays it that counts as a, like a timer or whatever, but like, I don't want to play Pandemic digitally. I just want to play Pandemic. Um, yeah. yeah, it's weird. The, the problem I found is that unfortunately some people uh, I'll use GW for instance, they just spam their license to pretty much anybody that wants it and there's no guarantee that the game that's being made is any good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I've bought as, way as too many. W fanboy, I can totally attest to that. Yeah, I I, I bought way too many uh, Warhammer games on Steam, um, and I just you know four X games. Why they're called Warhammer games? <laughs> yeah, and it's well, maybe I'm just weird, but like I'll I'll play it and I'll have pretty much figured it out in twelve hours, which is really quick, I mm-hmm. think, and then I'll play it for another. 30 or 40 hours because i'm like there's got to be more here no there's not it's just a really bad game gw has a bad habit of doing that actually yeah i mean i know i know that for instance you know like cubicle 7 has the license for the role-playing game for like warhammer fantasy roleplay and stuff and um what's coming up from what else is coming up soon from them uh age of sigmar right oh yep so, but it's one company, so I know if I like the stuff that already came out for it, I know it's going to be good. Right. And, and but when it comes to some digital, you don't. And especially, you know, given our conversation before, where some companies are starting to not do exclusive licenses, I can tell you it's been one of the concerns with some of the companies I work with. It's like if I'm the first person making a board game for your IP, you know, um, Smex, Smurfs and Max, right? Um, so. And then you give it to some other, you know, Acme Games, and they, I did all the effort of building the market, and this guy comes in with a crappy game and basically undermines the branding and my ability to sell because people who get, get burned by his game aren't going to want to buy mine because they're not sophisticated enough to know that my company's different than his. They just right. see that Smex, and they're like, oh, I love Smex, and they're like, wow, that sucked. I'm yeah. not buying any more Smex games. So there, I, I think, think there's problems potential problems i don't know i'd like to hear the retailers perspective on that ben (laughs) um yeah i it's 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 interesting with technology and how it's incorporating into board games now it's yeah i'm still uncertain of it myself to be honest um we have some of our best-selling board games uh manages the madness 2.0 that uses an app the xcom board game it's fantastic. I'm a huge fan of that myself using that. But yeah, for the most part, people aren't asking for this technology yet. So it's it's weird to see how we're going to have all this stuff come into it. And and with shopping all these IPs around, um, honestly, um, at least at my shop, um, IPs are not good sellers. If it's uh, if it's uh, a known IP, it's it's a slow sell. 
where if it's its own game, its own thing, those continuously fly out of the door. So, yeah, um, wherever wherever Coolman or not lands with this, supporting their own thing, or if they only do it for their IP release games, uh, uh, it, it'll be. They're definitely testing the water, and I applaud them for it. But yeah, it's we'll we'll have to see where this ends up. You know, what would be a cool hybridization strategy. Would be like somebody like Privateer doing like a a surface type, you know, thing where the maps yeah. on the on the surface, and you take the mini, and there's like a QR yeah. code or something on the bottom, and it registers it, and it just does the calculation of range and stuff for you. Okay. So like well, you know, it, like you, yeah. like the the menu for your card essentially is there and you just touch it and then it does its thing you know well, there was a game like that ed and it was called golem arcana yeah years <laughs> ago and it failed no. like so badly it, so, yeah. so bad the minis yeah, were really good a, a lot's happened in the last 10 years I mean, oh I absolutely gnome decks in 2008 2009 and there was surfaces back then but the technology's gotten way better in the last decade that's true that's true um, I and I was a big uh, proponent for Golem Arcana. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was going to be, you know, a great way for folks to start get or at least get into mini wargaming. And mm-hmm. man, that tech again, the tech was glitchy. It was not good out of the gate. It was so rushed, and it just did once it was released. It just couldn't seem to gain any ground, and the idea I think was was really good, but they just couldn't yeah. implement it well enough to make it smooth and functional. And that's, yeah, that's the issue with tech things. Right? Yeah, no, and that goes back to what I like the about box, them. They go right back on the shelf. What was right, that? But, I mean, that's really what I like about that's where I think tech in the tabletop space shines is when it takes a thing that's hard to do, right? It makes it easier to do. Sure. So, for instance, in the example like Gollum Arcana, they didn't make it easier; they made it hard. That's the glitchiness of it. But if they had succeeded in making it easier, then people would have been like, "There was a thing recently. I think it's called Dice or something. It's an app mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. they do videos. They basically teach you how to play the game, so you don't need the rule book. I mean, that's brilliant to me. Absolutely." It's, as you know, some people learn by reading and some people learn by watching. I'm a watcher. I, I'm not really good at reading a rule book. So for me, Dice is brilliant. I would I would love if every company would put their stuff on there. Uh, how to play videos and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, you, but you've got to think that there's so much. It, it's it, there's got to be so many more resources to make a video than it is to just print out a rule book and put it in layout and. I mean, I guess there's there is a lot of work to a rulebook, of course, but um, I'm just well, thinking to to include everything in a video presentation for. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the game too. Yeah, that's true. That's true too. Games, yeah. Like, if you look at Warhammer Forty Thousand, trying to explain how to play Warhammer Forty Thousand isn't very difficult, but as soon as you open up the special rules section, it all goes out the window. Right. There's hundreds of special rules that modify every single aspect of the game. Mm. You cannot explain them all. So in that instance, that would be that would that would not work for that kind of thing. You could learn basic gameplay mechanics, and then you're still going to be sitting there with a book in front of your face for hours on end. Right. Well, sure. But what my my biggest feeling on it is this: is if you can simplify somebody's life, then 
you're going to have a customer for life. I mean, sure. for instance, this podcast. The reason people listen to podcasts is because they can, other than the fact that hopefully the content is good, um, is because they don't have to actually look at it. Like right. I listen to podcasts on my way to work and on my way home to work from work. And so, you know, it gives me something I can do while driving that, you know, I can't watch YouTube videos while I'm driving. Well, I could, but that's not, <laughs> not a good idea. Not advocate that here on the chaotic. Yeah, that's right. We're chaotic, can, but not that chaotic. You're chaotic. Good. Not chaotic. evil. That's right. right. You're not narcissists. <laughs> not today. But, you know, like I'll sometimes I'll fall asleep listening to a, like a lecture or something like, you know, or a panel discussion or something like that. Not while you're um, driving. No, no, at home. Like, yes, when I'm driving, <laughs> I'm falling asleep and, and watching a panel discussion. But this is why podcasts are so good, right? Because you, they're just audible. And so they allow me to keep doing other things. Like I can be cleaning right. and listening to a podcast or whatever. Um and that's why podcasts are so powerful. Well, it's the same thing with technology and board games. The places where I think they're going to shine is where they they take pain away. Because when you can take pain away, then the fun can shine through. And that's really all, you know, other than camaraderie, that's really what we play games for, right? To have fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, like you, you look at the, the XCOM game and having, basically taking out the, the GM, the person where they would attack you or whatever. The app handles that, so you can run with that. And also the timer aspect of it. That's what you I know, like most. Someone doesn't, yeah, someone doesn't have to watch a, a, a sand timer, and, and you know they can focus on the game itself rather than trying to split their focus between a timer and the game and go, oh, ah, I should have stopped there. Oh, well, I, I guess I cheated a little bit. No, when the app starts beeping and buzzing at you, you, you know your, your time's up. Well, we really went uh, went uh, we went really uh, long on this segment, uh, much longer than we normally do. Um, We're having fun. Absolutely, uh, Ben. I, you did mention the magic uh, set, and uh, I want to follow up with that before we close out this segment. Uh, you were uh, a big fan of the next set that they announced. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually just pulling it up here right now in front of me so I don't mispronounce this, but uh, the Throne of Eldraine, I believe, is, is how it's going to be pronounced. It is essentially going to be uh, a Thurian legend and, like, Grimm's fairy tales rolled into one, and uh, I saw a uh, content creator, magic content creator that I follow, refer to it as putting the magic back into Magic the Gathering. And I think that's really cool because we've had these great sweeping epic stories, essentially, you know, um, Magic Avengers uh, going on last couple of sets. And now we're bringing it back what it feels like to uh, a more uh, nostalgic and simpler uh, magic storyline. And uh, I'm actually pretty, uh, pretty interested in this. Nice, nice. That's one thing that Magic has always done well. Well, not always, but uh, in recent years, they've really improved the investment of the player in the story that goes on. Uh, that I, I, I almost want to go Yu-Gi-Oh and say the heart of the cards, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> but yeah, like their their um, background story that I like, they always have these little quotes and stuff on the cards, and they've finally gotten to the point where people are interested in knowing more about the, the, the world at large 
when it comes to magic instead of just well this code this has like you know like six power two toughness and it has a special ability bang i don't care about what it says who cares ah you know people are more into that now yeah absolutely and and uh i think that kind of goes to show with the whole uh D&D book that they put out that's based in the magic universe too yeah, so folks can uh, even get that I thought I read that wrong, honestly, when I saw that come out on my on my updates for my gaming news and stuff like that. I was like, what? Isn't that, aren't they going to get in trouble for using that word? <laughs> and then I looked at the book and I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah. So, no, it was, uh, you know, it, like you said, it was kind of a slow week at the store for releases, but I, I think there was a lot of uh, gaming news that uh, happened nonetheless, uh, even from uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So Absolutely. that's exciting. It's exciting. All right. That's going to do it for that segment. Now let's get to our second segment of the night. Box office beat. Let's talk about everything that reigns supreme at the box office. Did anybody get to see any movies this week at the theater? Sadly, no, not me. I was uh, away in the city. And oddly enough, the, Nothing came out that I really wanted to see, because I have zero interest in The Lion King. <laughs> well, speaking of The Lion King, it was the number one movie of this week, uh, it, this well, this weekend. Um, it brought in $185 million on opening weekend. Yeah. Uh, this is a remake of, of course, the uh, the animated movie. It's, it's they, they, they call it a... Um, uh, a, a live action film even though it's all computer animated but i was gonna ask about that yeah like yeah. Fo- photo realistic yeah animation well he, here's the thing uh, john uh, favreau who is the director of this movie um also shot one actual live action shot and put it in the film to see if anybody could tell the difference and you can't you can't tell it's spot on like the studio did a phenomenal job to make it look realistic um i did get to go see it because my daughter is uh, 12 and and you know she's still at that age where this movie kind of interests her and yeah it was i i, I can't say that you know uh, i liked it better than the animated movie um i think it it was realistic, but it lost some of the life that the animated movie has. I, I, I don't know how other how how else to say it. Um, you know, I, I, it was good, but you know, I think seeing it once and that's I, I don't I don't really want to see it again. Whereas the animated movie, you know, if it's on, I don't mind watching it. If my daughter's watching it, and I'll sit down and watch it. But if there's this movie was pretty much the same thing, only it looked realistic. We left the theater, and I, I told my wife, my wife asked me, so what do you think of the movie? And I said, well, it, it was good. I, I, I liked it. I said it was predictable. And she's like, well, duh, because it's a remake of a movie. And it's a, there wasn't... The, the one thing that I really liked about the Aladdin movie was it was the same. It was similar, but not the same. Like they they tweaked it enough so that, you know, you were still kind of, you were kind of, uh, even though you've, you're familiar with the Aladdin the animated movie, it was different enough so you're watching it and you're like, oh okay, well that's kind of interesting. That's a nice nice new take on it. 
the Lion King, there wasn't really anything, and there wasn't any really new any new takes on it. Like that, it was kind of a shot for shot, like the movie. It was only oh, photorealistic. So they didn't they, oh, so they didn't do like any um, script tweaks or new scenes or anything. Like no, that. no, at least not from from what I could tell. Um, and, and all the stuff that, that, you know, when, when they're singing Hakuna Matata and all these other musical numbers where it's all like, you know, you've got all this liveliness that's going on on the screen because it's an animated movie. If you're, you know, from the, the original movie that translated to a photorealistic like version of it really wasn't all. Like it seemed to be lacking a little bit. So all those favorite points in the movie where you know those songs come on and it's really lively, it kind of didn't stand up to the same level as the as the the first movie. And they didn't have the same voice cast, right? Because some of those people just aren't around anymore. No, they did have James Earl Jones uh, as uh, Mufasa. I wonder um, how much of an impact that would be because Disney is really well known for coming up with amazing voice casts for movies. Oh, I, I I think the 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 casting of this movie was fine. They had Donald Glover as the adult uh, Simba. Um, they had Beyonce as Nala. Um, I'm trying to think of who else they had. Uh, was it Seth Rogen as Pumbaa? Oh my God, that was a good casting. He he was really really good. I don't know who did Timon, but the that was a pretty good. Uh, they they did a pretty good uh, job with that character. I mean, it like I said, it wasn't a horrible movie, but it wasn't like like I said, it was not 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 anything I want to see again. <laughs> but it did really well in the box office. Uh, Disney it crushed yeah. the box office. <laughs> Disney is accounting for forty percent of all ticket sales last weekend. Like, yeah. that's a phenomenal percentage. Like I said, remember, like I mentioned that one time, pretty soon we're going to have just Disney theaters that only show Disney shows. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, Fox used to do that back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, the first time I saw Empire Strikes Back was actually at a Fox theater. They used to have oh, Fox theaters. Interesting. I did not know I that. I remember when Lucas was actually... Um, going around saying you would not be allowed to show the Star Wars movies if you didn't have THX uh, compliant sound system. Mm. Wow. Uh, so, like I said, Lion King was number one. Spider-Man Far From Home uh, was number two. It brought in $21 million. Uh, that puts it as the highest grossing um, was it Fox movie of all time? for uh, Mar- like a Marvel uh let's see here uh where did it where did I see it where did I see it it uh it, it's the biggest oh it's the biggest ever for a Spider-Man movie not adjusting for inflation so it's got a worldwide total of 970.8 million dollars and uh it will become Sony's biggest release of all time globally. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. 
Sony's put out some pretty I, big movies. I think they've earned it this time. It's a it's the, the new Spider-Man movies have both been great. Like um my, I had that little quibble about the uh, about the length of uh Far From Home, but other than that, like it's a good movie. Uh and especially for um a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, like cuz Sony's had the other Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four movies, you know. And those just jeez, <laughs> yeah. So for them to finally get some kind of hey, you know, we can actually make a quality movie, even if we did have to go to Marvel and borrow a lot of their stuff, you know, they still they they finally got somewhere with it, and that's probably gonna be a confidence boost for them going forward for for how much money they're willing to invest anyway. Sure. Number three was Toy Story four again, another Disney movie. Uh, four was Crawl. Uh, five was yesterday, which seems to be holding on pretty good, uh, f- since it's been in the uh, theaters for four weeks now. Uh, number six was Stuber. Number seven, another Disney movie, Aladdin. Uh, that's been out in the theaters for nine weeks, and it's still in the top ten. That just kind of shows you what kind of legs uh, that movie has. Stay in power. Yeah. <laughs> Um, number eight was Annabelle Comes Home. Number nine was Midsommar. Uh, number ten was The Secret Life of Pets. And just outside the top ten was Avengers Endgame, which earned a hundred point, or which earned one point two million, which made, which makes it the uh, highest grossing movie of all time. To oh, it two, beat out Avatar. Yeah, it finally beat out yeah. Avatar. Uh, it's two point seven nine billion dollars. Um, James Cameron actually, um, I don't know if it was actually him or not, but his his Facebook page actually put out a thing, um, congratulating Marvel on uh, on surpassing Avatar as the biggest movie of all time, and it's a picture of Iron Man in his armor with those little fluffy dancing things that uh, get all over Jake Sully's avatar in the movie. It's kind of cute looking. Nice. That's a pretty classy move. I mean, you know, he held it for so long that uh, it's some, some, something was bound to break it, of course, but uh, well, that's records are for, you know, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And avatar was in, in theaters for like eight and a half months. It yeah, it was in there then, for a long time. Uh, from from the from the initial release date to the time when they actually, uh, air quotes, re-released it with a little bit of additional footage, just like Endgame did. Like a lot of people were crapping at Endgame. Oh yeah, you just tacked a few more minutes of footage to do the money grab. So did Avatar. Right. <laughs> so don't, don't, you know, don't chuck a rock if you're not prepared to catch it. <laughs> now the big uh, the there were a couple big. Uh, announcements and previews and trailers dropped during uh san diego comic-con one of which we kind of uh, alluded to earlier uh which was marvel phase four they announced the the lineup of movies that are, are coming out there's a black widow movie there's a doctor strange movie um what else Some um, of the eternals are getting the movie. eternal yes um, I, I guess they're just willing to flog that completely to death. <laughs> uh, they've got a, a slew of uh, Disney shows. They also have a, a Blade movie, which is coming out, which is crazy. Um, which 
uh, it's not Wesley Snipes. It's uh, who's the I forget who the uh, who the actor is. Um, he is the gentleman that played Cottonmouth in the uh, Luke Cage Netflix series. Yes, yes, um, yeah. Which I think is a great cast uh, for them, and I I think that movie should do really well. I think that's towards the end of Wave Four, um, and he when he was announced, they brought him on stage, and he made mention that there's movies coming. Um, so I think they have plans for blade and in, in wave five and uh i'm excited i'm excited I, I think everything that they announced for marvel is is good they also announced another thor movie um and uh this time uh they they mentioned that uh, natalie portman is going to be the female thor in this next movie which is awesome yeah. Jane Foster gets to wave the hammer. About yeah, he even gave it to her on stage. <laughs> that's that's cool. You know, speaking as a, as a, as a dad with a young, uh, you know, with a, with a daughter, uh, I think anytime you can kind of have like these really awesome, you know, storylines with female superheroes, I think it's just great because uh, my daughter loves uh, Wonder Woman. She's looking forward to the, uh, the um, Black Widow movie. The female Thor reveal. Uh, in the comics, that was one of their biggest selling comics of all time. Really? Uh, the arc where they had Jane Foster as Thor. That was a huge, huge seller for Mark. Nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, everything they got coming out for, for Marvel. They also, uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, they dropped uh, the trailer for the new Top Gun movie. Is anybody excited about that? <laughs> Goose isn't. That's all I know. <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, Sorry. Sorry. I, uh, I'm honestly. I, I, I might go see it. I'm not super psyched or interested in seeing it. Um, I I just you know it's gonna be Top Gun. I'm sure it's gonna be Top Gun again. But other than that, I'm like, Meh. Tom Cruise really hasn't ha- held much interest for me in probably a decade now. Honestly, so I want to see the honest trailer for it. Right after it comes out, absolutely. One of the best honor honest trailers ever was the Top Gun one. I don't think I've seen that one. I'll have to go. Oh, uh, you're missing out. Top yeah, Gun and Hunger Games—they're like honest. the two best honest trailers ever. I, I'm I'm writing it right down so then that way I don't forget uh, to look it up once once we're done recording tonight. Awesome. Um, let's see the other uh, trailer they the. They released was the Picard trailer, the full trailer this time. Um, I have not seen that, but a lot of folks have been really excited about that. I'm I'm looking forward to that. The trailer hit all the notes to make me go, okay, CBS, yeah. I'm considering giving you money now. Really? Yeah, I'm same. I'm in the same boat. Uh, fortunately, in in Canada, we end up getting all the CBS shows on our 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 version of your sci-fi channel in the states. We call it Space. Um, so it. At least I'm hoping, anyway. My fingers are crossed for that because they had all of Star Trek Discovery on there. Um, but yeah, I am uh, really he- impressed by what I saw in that extended trailer. I'll have you to got watch you, that. you got room on your couch for like two months, right, Jason? I'll be, I'll be <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, yeah. Um, the uh, the other thing that was really making a lot of noise was AMC announced that. Uh, the Rick Grimes 
movie. Uh, of course, if you haven't been watching the the Walking Dead show, uh, this might be a spoiler for you. But uh, Rick Grimes has uh, left the the uh, the TV show, and he was uh, helicopter. He was rescued by helicopter and taken away, and he's going to hopefully be part of these three movie, these trilogy of movies that AMC has planned. But originally, they had said that they were going to be TV movies. Um, but at San Diego Comic Con, they announced that they are actually going to be released in the theater, which is surprising. Um, I don't think it's until 2020 sometime. Um, so yeah, I think that's because, because the trailer that they, uh, released was only like a few seconds and it really didn't have any footage. It was, I think it was all just, uh, graphics and, and, uh, just really, really early concept stuff. So we saw the news last week that the walking dead creator ended yeah yeah we talked a little bit about that on the last episode um which was surprising uh so but but amc said that there's still plenty of plenty of uh plans for the walking dead universe they've got another show Mm -hmm. on the way so that'll bring it up to three shows total um and then they've got these movies planned so uh even though the comics stopped I, i they they don't anticipate you know shutting everything down which is good um, do you like fear i i oh okay so this is probably going to go there into a go. huge huge long conversation but uh, i'll try to keep give, it short give me the short version i of it. i like the latest the latest uh conundrum for the main character there i i haven't kept up with it Okay, then. Next conversation. <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. I, it's on my DVR. It's not. It's one of those things where I, I need to I need to just sit down and watch it um, and on marathon DVR, through it. So you, you need to go back to like 1997 and watch it on your DVR. Why? Is that... Uh... I, I, have, I don't know a single person that has a DVR anymore. Really? That's so interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of our do, do uh, the, cable process. Do you have DVRs? I don't. I I stream everything. Yeah, me too. I haven't had a cable service in over a decade. I still have a DVR. Wow. That's so <laughs> um, okay. I, I live cool. in Canada, so you know we're we're way behind the times. I I will tell you Ed that that, that I've fought trying to get rid of my cable bill with my wife, but my wife insists we have a, a cable. Uh, service and a telephone service i don't know why we have both of those we should just use, be using our cell phones and you know an online Internet. streaming right. you know service but hey you know what i say ed happy wife happy life sure sure so well, we got rid of our phone in december of 2007 nice yeah I, so it's been it's been a spell I, if it were me I, we wouldn't even have a land a landline phone in in our house, but like I said, I don't. Some some battles are just not worth fighting. Worth fighting. I gotcha. Wise words. <laughs> and, and honey, if you're listening to this, I love you very much. Ah, we all ah, love you. Ah. Um. So, uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Well, I'll just I'll just give you. 
I like season one. Season two, season three were not uh, great. Uh, the the previous season where they kind of recast everybody and they brought Morgan Morgan in uh, from the original show, I thought that was a great move. Um, mm-hmm. I like I, I liked it, and yeah, I'm looking forward to this next season. I just need to sit down and watch it. I just haven't had a chance. Got it. Okay. Um, I am a big fan. I think it's better than The Walking Dead right now by far. Yeah, yeah, I think the and that's the thing. Like I thought that season with Morgan was better than that it was it was during that whole uh Negan like storyline where some of those episodes yeah. were just so slow. It was tough. They drug <laughs> Negan out and basically just milked him for all he was worth and it was embarrassing by the time they finished. Yeah. How so, would you like to be the actor that plays Negan? I mean, not only is your role in Walking Dead wrap up soon, but Supernatural's over. Oh, like, that's true. He, he's going to have to like figure well, out what to do with the rest of his of life. Other movies in the meantime is any indication he won't go very far because he was in a rampage. <laughs> so right. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was not a good sad. Movie. That was that was a. That was an example of why you shouldn't make video game movies again. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I don't think any of the movies that are in the theaters right now are interesting to me. But you mentioned Seth Rogen. I did see a Seth Rogen uh, film on online, you know, that was recently released that with Charlize Theron. It's called Long Shot. Oh, I heard that's actually pretty decent. Seth Rogen is adorably awkward throughout the film. Sure. and um and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I also tried a, a a film called The Broken Circle Breakdown. Okay. Um, it's got it, but it was in German, so I'm not sure if I. <laughs> it's got <laughs> subtitles, but it's you know a, a girl with a bunch of tattoos and a, and a brass musician, and it's very, very much. A, what's that film recently with Bradley Cooper and um, Lady Gaga? Oh, um, a Star is oh, Born. That's... Yeah, yeah it's, it has a very Star is Born vibe to it. Huh. Um, but uh, but it was all in German. And I didn't realize that going in because the trailer just has English music in it. So I'm not really... I, I have dyslexia, so it's hard for me to read quickly. So um, I'm sure it was a great film, but I had to like pause all the time. So it kind of breaks up the mood. Um, but yeah. Uh, what was the name of that again? The German one? Yeah. Broken Circle Breakdown. It's out, but... Or I'm going to read out my uh, talking back here, but... I can put a link if you want. Yeah. Um, right. I'll check that out. Um, so the, the other uh, big reveal this week was the the release of the trailer... For what my daughter s- claims is the scariest movie of all time, the Cats movie, which is based on the musical, uh, the Broadway musical Cats, um, I I sent my daughter the uh, the link uh, to the trailer, and she she responded that they were monsters and that she wasn't gonna sleep that night. Um, that they are. Has anybody seen this trailer? First of all, first of all, 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I watched the trailer, and I think most of the people freaking out about it uh, never saw the stage show because mm-hmm. the stage show was just as uh, weird with uh, right. with humans in full cat costume uh, dancing around on stage doing all these moves. Yes, the CGI of the trailer makes it a little more, you know, uh uncanny valley but uh the it it's it's the musical and so yeah i guess i don't understand why everyone's freaking out about it so negatively i i think i never liked the stage show i thought the stage show was utterly stupid so for me it was an easy pass i think it was the i think the studio pretty much when they were when they were making all the CGI and everything, they they saw the backlash that the Sonic the Hedgehog movie was, and they were yeah. like, "Let's put out something even worse than that and see if anybody uh, pays attention." Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It just it looks like I I don't know how else you would have done it, but. It's gotta look different than that, I would think. Uh, I was more offended by the uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle like live action CGI than than this. Like, this is fine. This is fine. Uh, I I don't. My my daughter's gonna disagree with you, Ben. I I don't know. Like. I don't think in the, at the end of the day, I don't think it will really matter. Like the internet will have its moment of of righteous outrage, and people are still gonna go see it because it's got Idris Elba, it's got Ian McKellen, it's got James Judy uh, Dame Judy Jen, uh, words Dame Judy Dench in it. Like people are gonna go see it just for them alone, and it won't stop the movie from making tons of cash. Right now, it's just you know the new shiny thing to pick on. But my only my only problem with, like I said, is I thought the stage show was dumb in the first place, so I have no interest in seeing this. Sure, I I actually fell asleep while in the audience of a of performance of stage show. So yeah, I, you know what? Maybe I'll skip this in the theme. I I'm just wondering, like I know the cast is really top notch. It's it's just really, you know, they've got from top to bottom. It's just a really really great cast, but. I don't know. Musicals are one of those things that, that in the theater you have to really be something special in order for it to be like a big hit. And I don't think of any other musical that has had this much negativity before release. That like, ah, man, there's a that's a big gamble. Like your production and your salaries and everything. That's a big budget movie to make that big of a risk with if you ask me like if i were that studio i would really be nervous right now because you've put a lot of money in cgi you've put a lot of dollars in the cast uh man i don't know like uh, that has to it's gonna have to do some immense ticket sales in order to make up for what I think is a big dollar amount for that movie. The thing that I found weird was, why didn't they just (laughs) do it with 
stage makeup like they did for the original movie like what was the driving force behind having all of that cgi thrown in there like yeah i don't know made it it was it was in it was it was on broadway and then touring for uh like more than a decade making tons of cash and like why mess with something that works you know bring in some really good special effects people make some excellent prosthetics let these people act through their prosthetics as most of them are familiar with it from costume work before and leave the cgi at home there's no need for it Right. I mean, he said, he said familiar, and we're talking about cats. That's yeah, funny. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you think of all the big, like, probably what would be considered hits in the the theater for musicals. Uh, you've got just the, the ones I'm thinking off the top of my head. You've got uh, uh, the Greatest Showman. Mary Poppins. Mary, <laughs> Mary Poppins. Um, I'm serious. Mary Poppins was huge in the day. Oh, I right? know. I know. Yeah, The Sound of Music Even was also. Annie uh, was yeah. a very popular musical. Absolutely. Actually, it's pretty damn good. I, I'm just thinking something like more current than uh, Mary Poppins and Annie, but uh, uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> it's a musical. It is a musical, and it's CGI. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> And it's cats too. <laughs> I'm just saying we we already had cats. It's called Lion King. <laughs> it's out in theaters. Oh, Go see it. Go see Maybe it. It's the number one movie cats. right now. It's all Lion King, and they don't want to see cats. <laughs> well, did you have a problem with like the CGI in Alita Battle Angel? No, I liked it. Okay, so it's not the CGI that bothers you. It's I the... found the CGI in Alita was about the same as the CGI in Ready Player One. Yeah. I liked Ready Player One. I did too. Yeah, me too. Okay. I'm not. I wasn't saying that to bash it. I'm just saying that I'm fine with that level of CGI. That's that's okay. okay. I know some people were disturbed by uh, like the blatantly oversized eyes and stuff. Yeah, but I don't know the it's comic. Based so based on a manga, so but yeah. Yeah, I don't know the the manga, so I I couldn't comment on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they didn't complain when they completely recast uh, the the major for Ghost in the Shell. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my daughter really actually, she really liked Alita. Um, I think she's hoping that they'll, they'll put out another movie. I don't think it did all that well in the theater, but mm-hmm. she's, she's hoping that, uh, they'll make another one. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I think if you look at the history for musicals in the theater for, you know, quote unquote hits. I I don't think they incorporate a whole lot of CGI that have made them, um, you know. Usually, it's about epic sets more than CGI. Right, right. So, I I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting once it releases and and what uh, what it does take in the theater once once it's out. And you know, is it going to be one of those movies that does really good? You know, the first week and then kind of just. Not, not anything after that or is it one of those movies that comes out and it's maybe you know three there's a whole generation of people out there who are like they saw cats multiple times so i'm sure the the movie will make i'm I'm sure it'll probably have some legs we'll see like top gun yeah <laughs> it'll be cat like legs. top gun so i don't generally like musicals but i i i do have one i really really like and okay. that is the 1970s Disney Robin Hood cartoon. Oh yeah, uh, yeah that love awesome. that film. Yeah, I haven't watched yeah. that in years. 
You should. Oh, wait for it's it. Um, the way they're going right now, we'll have a remake in a couple of years. Oh, I'm sure. It's not live action. It's what is it, what is that called? The the dude with Lion King. What's it called? Uh, it's not live action. It's no, it's, it's photorealistic. 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 Yeah. I mean, Disney already did the the live action remake with Kevin Costner many many years ago. They cut all the songs <laughs> and everything. So oh, that's that's true. That is true. Yeah. That's another movie I haven't seen in quite a few oh. years. Why is uh, from South Dakota? Waterworld 2. Waterworld 2. That would be amazing. I would watch that. I would too, I would to be honest that. with you. Have you guys been watching Yellowstone? No. It's is actually it good? really good. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty good. See, this is why we need to have Ed on more, because... Uh, it just have... expands our, our cultural... Uh, no, it just gives me. No, I don't. Food. I don't give good culture. I just say random things. No, I mean, no my no. neighbor. I was having dinner with him the other night, and they were talking about all these old movies, and I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't seen any of these movies. <laughs> Saying like, random things is the culture of the chaotic good cast. Okay, this is well, true. Then I fit in. Yeah, very absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Loud noises. <laughs> Special ed. Sparkly lights, loud noises. There you go. Cool. Well. Speaking of Ed Healy, Ed is our featured content for this week. Woo! Let's yeah. talk a little bit about Ed and uh, Gamerati. Ed, let's. Uh, why don't you tell viewers a little bit about yourself and uh, who you are, and and then we'll uh, dive into Gamerati and and tell tell folks a little bit more about that. Okay. Um. Well. Married 24 years, have two daughters. They're teenagers, so I'm getting gray hair. Um, <laughs> I started in the game industry back in 95, 96. Nice. Um, with Eden Studios, and then um, did The Forge, and then um, worked for Wolf Bauer at Cobalt Press when it was Cobalt Quarterly magazine was out. Um, then did stuff for EVE Online, and um, started Gamerati because people needed publishers mostly needed services and they weren't being able to find them anywhere so it's essentially what happened was i helped wolf get advertisers for cobalt quarterly and when i was in iraq in the army and he offered me a beer when i got home i asked him for a job so that's how gamerati started i that's was awesome. just helping helping him get advertisers and yeah i knew i was getting out of the military after we had our first kid so i knew i wasn't going to stay in and at the time, I thought I was going to try to be a freelancer, so I was submitting stuff to Paizo for Dragon and Dungeon magazine, but then Watsi pulled the license, and that kind of sucked. Uh, so I didn't know what I was going to do, and so I just was helping people with their business, and I seemed to actually enjoy that. I, I just really like helping other people do their thing. So absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's uh, so now what we we don't make anything, but we pretty much do everything else. So. Um, marketing for companies and we run crowdfunding campaigns and we have a warehouse and we so we run logistics but we don't actually publish anything so you help uh, you help folks do you help folks with like crowdfunding do you help them mm -hmm. with just uh, marketing uh, an ex like a product that's ready to go to store shelves as well or sure yeah so it depends on the company so like with crafty games and some other companies we do everything so we do their crowdfunding, we do their marketing, we do pretty much everything other than make the games. So Alex and Pat and their contractors, like uh, Logan, 
Bonner from Paizo. So they'll make the product and then um, we'll warehouse it, we'll sell it, we'll distribute it, we'll market it, we'll do all that stuff. And then there's other companies that we don't, we don't do anything but like, let's say, put it, their stuff in the warehouse. Um, so um, what's a good example? Have you seen the Dragon Baggins? It's this girl in, um, named Brid uh, Bridget. She's in New Zealand and she makes plushy um, dice bags that look like dragons or Cthulhu or whatever. Um, really cute. And so we warehouse her dragon baggins and her um, Cthulhu bags and stuff. And but we don't do any marketing for her. We just she sends us the orders and we ship stuff out. So it really just depends on the company. It's the full gamut. Similarly, like with when we do crowdfunding for a company, sometimes they just want us to do a little bit of work, and sometimes they want to run. They want us to run everything soup to nuts. So we've run. We've participated in about 500 Kickstarter campaigns wow. so far. Um, so. I don't know if it's, ex I mean, I guess it would take me like 30 seconds to find out exactly how many, but um, uh, it's close to 500. Wow. I'm not exactly sure. I will look it up for you. Would you um, Would you like to tell folks some of the more noteworthy campaigns that you've helped out with? Um, the, the one I'm the most proud of in the last couple of years is probably Cthulhu Wars Onslaught 3, because wow. okay. I, um, Peterson Games really did need that to go well. And um, and so they, they set a bar for us that was really, really high. And uh, I think that the uh, some of the projects we ran for Peterson Games kind of saved. So I don't know how familiar you are with the problems that Peterson Games had, but um, when they ran their original campaign, they were, one, unfamiliar with uh, Kickstarter. You know, Sandy was thinking he would just run a Kickstarter and then go take a job in India. You know, it would be like his swan song. He didn't realize it was going to be a $1.4 million Kickstarter. And two, he was very ignorant of how shipping works uh, and totally ignorant of VAT. So um, he had to mortgage his house to pay for the shipping because he made promises to customers and he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to renege on his promises. Right. So um, he could have gone back to them and said, look, guys, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I didn't realize. I mean, I'm a creative. I make games. You know, Call of Cthulhu, Arkham Horror, stuff like that. Um, I didn't realize there's this thing called VAT that's 19 percent in europe and i'm i'm doomed instead of doing that he uh he mortgaged his house and made right you know and did the quote right thing wow. so they were they were they had some some financial hurdles they had to overcome because of that and so they really did need a big project and i think that and the sandy peterson's Hulu mythos for pathfinder project we ran um far outstripped what they needed and that I think contributed to uh, significantly to putting them in a solvent state. And I, I like, that's what I uh, like most, right. Is helping people. So sure. to me, I think I would say that. And uh, hmm, what's another one recently? Oh, Grimmer space would be the yeah. most recent one. So um, Ronan and Lou um, from Iron GM games and Sean Aston, you know, from Goonies and, stranger things and whatever um that i thought that went really well yeah no that was a great campaign we uh of course we had uh ron lou on uh a few weeks ago and mm -hmm. uh yeah. they were just they were a blast to have on they're great great guys and we mm -hmm. you know we'd love to have them on again if uh if they have another project coming up um but yeah no that was a great uh great campaign and it did did well over its funding goal and and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited <laughs> it, it to see. Took its funding goal into an alley and beat the crap out of it. Yeah, <laughs> that was the, that was the plan. That's I mean that's really what we like to do when we're running a project is 
um, we really want to do a, everything we can to fund quickly um, and, and then really embarrass that funding goal. Um, because otherwise it's just, it's really painful in the middle of a Kickstarter. It doesn't matter how many you've run. You're always nervous the day before you launch. You're like, did I forget anything? Did I do it right? Is, are people going to like it? And then in the middle, you're always bored and it's really painful. And um, you wonder if, I mean, so like in the middle of Grimmer Space, you know, it was making $1,000 or more a day, but it felt like it wasn't doing anything because once you get over like $100,000, you don't really notice $1,000. Right. Like, oh, great. Yesterday, was it 187 or 188? I don't remember. Well, you have to go look at KickTrack just to see if you're making money. Because <laughs> you can't, you know, you, you don't internalize it. And it was even worse for us because we had like four Kickstarters going at the same time. So, um, you know, we just have to kind of believe the stats. And, um, and I mean, part of it is running the project. Part of it is strategy. But a lot of it is uh, keeping the spirits up of the people, the, the client, right? Oh, sure. Um, because, you know, they have their hopes and dreams. I mean, Grimmer Space, we've been working with Ronan and Lou and, and Sean on Grimmer Space for over two years. So th this is not something that they were just like, hey, let's do this thing, you know? Right. Um, and you can probably tell because the art was phenomenal. I mean, oh, it Roan, was amazing. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just it, phenomenal art direction from Roan. Um, and uh, so, um, no, I just, it, it's their first product. Um, Lou had Iron GM. And Ronan and Lou and I did the, the original like um, regional Iron GM competitions and stuff. And I left Iron GM after like a year or two. I can't remember how long I was there. Um, and then um, so they've been running Iron GM ever since. And um, it was just nice to be able to work with them again. Sure. And um, and to help them bring out their first product. And hopefully it won't be their last. No, I don't think so, it will be. I think yeah. uh, they've got. Uh... Uh, from the sounds, it sounds, sounds like they've got uh, quite a bit up their sleeve, which is awesome to hear. Um, it's, I was looking at our, our list. So the first one we ran was Gaming Paper Adventures back in uh, December of 2010. And Rowan wrote for, for that. So um, that was the first Kickstarter I worked on. And it looks like we're going to be doing another Gaming Paper Kickstarter coming up this year. So yeah, it's like the circle's made complete. That's awesome. Um, now here's, here's my question for you, Ed. Um, if anybody was thinking about going to Kickstarter, what, uh, what kind of advice would you give them leading up to, uh, to the launch from as far as marketing would, uh, would you advise them to, uh, to do what, what are, what are a couple of key... already made the decision that they're going to do it. Yeah. So, okay. So I don't, I can, I don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Um, they already have a business or this is like their first project probably this is their first project so the, the first thing that i always tell people that are in that boat um other than i have a questionnaire that i send them with a bunch of questions on it which i can actually send you the link it's on linkedin so people can see the questions that i ask people when i first talk to them about their projects but um the first thing i tell them is it's going to cost twice as much as you think it is and take three times as long sure Okay. Most people vastly underestimate the amount of effort it takes to, to bring any product, even a simple, you know, double deck card game, uh, to to market. Um, you know, you guys play role playing games, right? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, we, we we play a few here and there. I don't know. So yeah, exactly. So I mean, the thing that I always tell people when it's a role playing game is you can never have too many editors. Sure. 
right? Because okay. you can't edit your own words. Right. It's impossible. Right. You'll never find errors because you wrote them. Um, and so with board games, it's, you can never have too many play tests um, and blind play tests and, and, and whatnot. And I think what, what happens is, is people want to make their product because they're excited about it and it's fun and it's really fun for them and their friends or their, their group of 20 people. But, you know, if you're the creator and you're explaining the game, it's not the same thing as writing a rule book. <laughs> it's, it's a very different animal. And I'm sure that, um, I'm sure you guys have seen rule books that you're like, what? Yeah, oh, but, uh, yes, a few. Yeah, yeah, right. And, you, and, you know, as a retailer. At a certain stage where you appreciate quality. Right. Uh, we'd actually have a, we did a show for a number of years on our YouTube channel called First Play. It's Marcelo Ferrelli. He's down in um, Brazil and him and his wife would get a game. And the whole shtick was, can we actually play the game out of the box without having to go to Board Game Geek and download facts and stuff? <laughs> and so they would rate games. I mean, they would review the game like a game. You know, if they couldn't play it that way, they would actually go and, you know, do the fact thing. But, like, really, the if it passed the test or didn't pass the test was based on whether you could play it out of the box as written um, without getting errata and stuff and watching how to play videos and whatnot. Um, and the, very few games actually passed. And you'd be surprised, you know, about um, some of the publishers that would just. And I get it, right? Like you're running a business, and you have to. There comes a point where you know you have to actually publish, or you, you perish, right? Right. Right. So, um, so I totally get it, but, uh, yeah, the the number one piece of advice I would give people is that, and then you know the the other one is, are you sure you want to be a publisher? Because <laughs> it's not the same thing as being published. Right. You know, John Joseph Goodman said this years ago. It's a brilliant piece of advice he gives to new new companies. Like, you know, you first decision is, do you want to be published or do you want to be a publisher? And the truth is, as soon as you run a Kickstarter, you're a business owner. Um, and you're no longer. I mean, some people can do both. They can be creatives and they can, you know, learn spreadsheets. But, man, you know, you, the the best way to kill your hobby is to to make it a business, right? Um, and so uh, that's the other thing and the cautionary tale I would give people. That being said, it's really, really fun to see people take your creation and interact with it. I mean, that's just, yep. that's why we do do it. And um, it's, it's life affirming, you know, to be as a creative, to see somebody interact with your creation and, and smile and have a good time and tell stories with their friends about it. I mean, that's, that's what makes this industry so awesome. So. The juice is definitely worth the squeeze. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we all can't be like Ben, who just work in this industry and just have fun playing games while they're all working day all day long. Right. All That's day, every day. Do. All day, every day. Sitting on yeah. that throne of games in the back of the store. Instead of Game of Thrones. That's funny. <laughs> do you actually have a throne of games in your room? In your uh, store? I, I I don't only because I don't have time uh, between playing it. all these games to build it. So I'm I'm hoping Doug might help me with uh, for that at uh, at Granite State Comic Con. Maybe we can have a, a games would be awesome. That should be a community event. You guys should just have a bunch of empty game boxes and put them in like three separate container areas and say, okay, whichever one of you groups can build the best game or throne of games wins. <laughs> what do they win? The games. Uh, the empty game boxes. <laughs> no, dude, guys. No, listen, listen. No, no, they're 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 empty game boxes. Um, maybe. 
but you get the publishers to donate copies of games and you you have them there and then whoever's the winning uh that throne of games cool. they that get all the they get a copy of all the games that would be amazing all the involved in the throne that would be amazing that no be uh, no just like you just have a prize table i mean when we we're doing iron jam like essentially look at your number of prizes let's say you have 100 board games like the winning team gets 60 of them the second place team gets 30 of them and the the or sorry, 50, let's say, and the third, second place gets 30, and the third place gets 20 or something. You know, you just divvy it up some way so you can have sure. it for second, third. But man, that would be brilliant. That would be so brilliant. Fun. Yeah. Throne of Games. Throne of Games. So I'm I, bet this... fantasy, I bet Fantasy Flight would give if, you some. If that comes to fruition, you darn well better credit me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a judge. I, I accept bribes. <laughs> I mean, hey, if it's going to be, you know, Throne of That's Games. Kind of judge. Exactly, and, and and a big convention like that would definitely be uh, would be a great uh, that would be a great event for something like that. Anyway, uh, that's Make neither here. So. Yeah, uh, so yeah, uh, uh, that's that's really really awesome. What what else does Gamerati do, Ed? You've got uh, got a podcast, right? We do. So um, Kickstarter asked us to maintain the only game-centric curated page. So uh, Geek Dad does have a games on theirs, but they do geeky stuff too. There's We're the only one that just does games. And so because of that, we, uh, we made a podcast called The Curators. Um, and Joey and Marcelo talk about two to three games they think are cool. Um, and then we do an audio podcast. And recently, in the last couple of months, we started doing a video version of the oh, podcast. Nice. Um, so we released that on YouTube and Facebook. Um, the video version and the, the podcast version is, you know, Podbeam and wherever Podbeam, you know, Stitcher, the same places that yours is probably at, mm -hmm. um, Apple Podcasts and everything. Um, and they've been doing that for three years. So um, I like it because <laughs> they find the good stuff and, and then I get to listen to the, my own podcast and <laughs> find games that i want to get so um so yeah no it's uh that's the only podcast we do right now i mean um you know speaking of roan i mean roan and i used to do podcasts back in the day um we did uh, three together oh wow um, actually four because we did the iron gm games the iron gm podcast for like four episodes and then we stopped doing it but um yeah uh i would we're thinking about other podcasts but we just haven't gotten around to it yet um there's only a, a limited number of hours in the day exactly exactly a, a so. lot of folks uh, a lot of folks don't realize how much uh uh content creating does take up a, a large bulk of time and if you do well yeah yeah like exactly. you guys actually edit your podcast absolutely um, so yeah some people don't um, it's actually why ron and i started podcasting believe it or not Really? Uh, when we were doing, yeah, we were we were developing a product for what is now Gunmetal Games. Okay. Uh, they do uh, Interface Zero and some other stuff. We were going on podcasts, and some of them were cool. Like Sam Chup, Sam Chup's podcast was fun, and um, that was nice and interesting to go on. Um, but we went on this one podcast, and I can't remember which one it was. Um, and we were just smoking and joking, you know. Sure. To steal a term from our my military career, and then we're like, okay, so um, now we'll answer your question, and you can edit that out. And he goes, oh, I don't edit my podcast. We're like, you're cut, you're kidding, right? Like, no, you you have to take that out. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna. 
what? like okay well seriously man you have to take that out like you know and it could have been something like just a piece of information the publisher didn't want out yet or something right like, we we didn't know we were in, you know live or on the record or whatever and so we decided to podcast because we wanted a place that developers and designers could go and actually know that they were going to be respected and uh and treated like professionals you know um sure. so that's how atomic ray got started i mean it sucked at the beginning we were terrible but um but you know we did i don't know few years we we did atomic ray we we got good enough that we got an any for it so i guess that's, that's awesome fine. um but uh so we did that we did a rpg countdown which was like casey case and meets role-playing games and then uh we did uh my favorite one was the open design podcast which was me roan wolfgang bauer monty cook skip williams john wick wow uh, i can't remember on it but then we would have just some random fan <laughs> Wow. So, so um, and, and nice. a guest. I would volunteer to be that random fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was pretty cool, right? So you have all these Ed Green, you know, so you have all these guys, right, that are, I can't believe I forgot Ed. Um, and then some random fan. And so this is before Kickstarter, and Wolfgang was doing his open design projects. And so he would take one of his patrons and just invite them on the show with all of us. Wow. So it was pretty Holy cool. Cow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty neat. That's awesome. <laughs> um, that was a fa- my favorite podcast. I think I liked it the most because the format was brilliant. Um, I, I'm not a knob turner. Ron is. He's the one that, like, he's awesome uh, musician, great songwriter, great producer of audio. Um, b- but I was the one that came up with the format, and it really, really worked, I thought. And so that's why I was the most proud of it. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was fun, unfortunately. Um, Wolfgang works for Pokemon USA uh, as it, for his day job, and uh, he just didn't have the time <laughs> to yeah. do the show anymore. You know, running a publishing company, having a day job, and do a podcast—it's mm. tough. So, so yeah, this was before Numenera and all that stuff. So Monty still had time. You know, <laughs> you know. Bef- before those anymore. immense yeah. Kickstarters that uh, he's put out. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, so yeah, it was, and this was before Seven C role playing game from uh, when John Wick did, you know, took over Seven C and everything. So um, it was it was fun, um, but uh, yeah, I'll get I'll I'll add a second podcast at some point. I just don't know what it'll be about. Yeah, it'll be about all the podcasts we've done before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to recreate the wheel, right? So I I mean I have a couple of ideas, but. Um, chances are it'll probably be something business related because it's what i do like 12 hours a day right now so it's a natural i think actually what i might do is a podcast where i just because i live in mecca when it comes to game companies the seattle area has so many publishers immense yeah and we've got our club which is uh which is essentially a hangout for playing games but we also film in there um so i might uh i might just like start inviting game designers down to like hang out in the club and just interview them and then just cut the audio out and you know interview them on video and then cut the audio out and make a podcast out of it. I think that might be interesting. That would be pretty cool. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, for sure. But I have no, you know, I don't know. I would like to. I honestly would like to. Do you know like uh, Robin Williams and Ken Height do their uh, Ken and Robin or Robin and Ken talk about stuff podcast? Have you listened to that? No, I don't think I've ever heard that. Um, 
I would honestly like to hear, you know, a couple of uh, publishers or a couple of retailers or a couple of whatever, like just sit and talk shop, you know, but I like sausage making. I think seeing, a, like, look, getting to see behind the curtain and see what the wizard's doing um, to me is the most interesting part. Um, I may be weird though. So <laughs> I don't know. I'll try it probably at some point. We'll see if nobody listens, then I'll stop doing it. Yeah. I, I think there's uh, definitely folks that are interested in, in uh, the behind the scenes stuff of the industry. I think there's, there's quite a few folks that are actually interested in that. Um, yeah. I mean, at lunch today was when I was talking to Wolfgang, um, we were talking about things, I mean, like the minutia stuff, like what freight companies we use to get stuff from China or, you know, what, what the, what the terms are for working with certain really well-known board game designers, you know, mm -hmm. like if you were a new board game company, you really wanted to kind of work with a name and you could get access to them, like knowing, here's an example. When I wanted to get into the industry and be a writer, I purposefully wrote a, an article about the Backlundish military for the earth journal, which was the uh, fanzine for Greyhawk. And the reason I did it, it's because I knew that Eric Mona, who at the time was in charge of, uh, Dragon and Dungeon Magazine, like he was the pu the publisher, like the sorry editor in chief, right? Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. knew that he was a Greyhawk, a Grey fan. You know, he was he wrote the Living with a number of other people, the Living Greyhawk Gazetteer at Wizards of the Coast, and I knew that he also was really into the Backlinish, and they were basically ignored and by most people. So I was like, if I want to get Eric's attention, <laughs> and he used to be the editor of the Earth Journal, so I'm like, I want to write something I know he's going to read. Right. right? Okay. So I wrote something for him to read, uh, and then I started submitting articles for Dragon and Dungeon Magazine. And I got like four or five accepted, and so um, it, it's kind of the same game, right? Uh, you know, knowing knowing your audience, and so for me, I don't know, man. Like, I, I guess in the, in this case, I'm not sure if I know my audience. Um, yeah. There might only be thirty of us that are really care about the sausage making, but. I find it interesting. Oh, I think I do too. Yeah, we'll see. No. We'll see. So, back to the whole, um, the whole Kickstarter and uh, giving advice mm -hmm. and, and all that. Um, let's. I, I've always wondered with uh, the 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 pre-launch, and I don't know how much of this that you get involved with or not, but when folks go to production companies and get quotes and lead times. Mm -hmm. And and you said earlier that, that, you know, plan on the lead time taking like three times. Do, do these production companies or uh, plants um, or facilities, I should say, uh, do they, do they give lead times to get the order and then, once they have the order, it's not quite a priority, and like you see them it's, it's, extend. It's not that. No, it's, it's it's not that. No, like if you're making a board game with Leah, for, that's a company we used for the Mistborn House War board game, for instance. Um, they're professionals now, okay. but you you the the potential publisher may not have ever published a board game with miniatures before, so you don't right. realize these three things. One, um, getting a mold made takes time and you have to do it before you can make minis right it seems it sounds no-brainer but a lot of people don't realize it it's like oh so if it was a role-playing book it might take me two to four months but now it's a board game with minis now it's going to take six months 
because it takes time to make molds. Two, there's this thing called Chinese New Year. Right. Happens every year. China it shuts down. It shuts down, yeah. 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 Well, for not a month. But what what happens, it shuts down for two weeks. But because of the, the interruption in production and shipping, it really does kind of mess with things. So there's like a backup of, of product, and then there's a glut, right? So it, now the I think the best way to get over that is to honestly um, give yourself padding in your schedule, like under-promise and over-deliver. Instead of trying to guess, like if the manufacturer says you should have it in mid-April, say by the by the beginning of June, sure. or the end, you know, like literally extend your time frame out, especially if it's your first job because uh, your first gig, because you know you think that it's going to take you two months to get art. It's probably going to take you eight months, depending on how much art you have, because you're going to let's say hire three artists and one of them's deliver, so you're going to have to go find a replacement. But you're not going to you're you're new to it, so you haven't learned how to fire people yet. Right. So you're 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 two months is up and you're still trying to get Bob to send you that art. Right. right. You could have gone and asked Rick to do it in the meantime, but you didn't because you're just new to it. And you, you're you're unsure of yourself. You haven't you know gotten the battle scars yet. Right. Um, and and so the, that those are the things that generally contribute. And plus, you, you know, you have to account for things like, I don't know, it takes three weeks to get stuff on a boat from China to here. Right. So people think, oh, well, it's going to be done manufacturing. Um, and uh, an assembly is going to be done in mid-April. That means I can start shipping out at the beginning of May. No, you can't, because they're going to have to put that on a boat, and it's going to have to travel across that the boat. That ocean. boat takes a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, you don't know these. And they say silly when I loud. You're like, of course. But if you haven't thought of it first, you know, uh, when I, I bet somebody who thinks they're going to do a podcast doesn't realize that if you actually audit, edit a podcast. It's hours. Yeah. Like a 90 minute podcast. How long does it take you to actually edit it? it? It It's at least four times the length of whatever the, the actual like episode ends up being. Right. At so if this is a two hour podcast, times. it's going to take you a day. Oh yeah. It, it takes me all night. How much I swear. What's that? It depends on how much I swear. <laughs> yeah. It depends. Actually, on how I don't much know I... if you've sworn the entire time. I, I, I'm, I, it's, yeah, it hasn't happened yet. I'm, He's I'm a, very I'm a, I'm a, good. It was just I'm that a good one influence. time that I really just let loose. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one that said the bad word earlier that you're going to edit out. But, um, so yeah, I mean, it, I, honest, ironically, it's the things that are simple that you just don't realize that you didn't know. Right. And, but once you know them, it's no big deal. Um, and, but see, the problem is that once you do a project and you have a business and there's things that you should have learned. Now you're now you're under pressure to like keep the business open, mm-hmm. and there's things that you can't recover from easily, um, like you're not good at budgeting. Right. So now you've got a situation where you have to spend money that you don't have, or you 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 have enough money to spend the money, but then you're not going to make any profit, which means you have to stand before your husband or your wife, and you can't say, you know, I'm a man or a woman, I hunt, you know. Uh, because you just spent nine months or a year and a half or three years working on this thing, you quit. You know, a lot of people quit their job when their Kickstarter goes well, right? And then they have to go tell their husband, "Yeah, uh, you know, how is gonna make a paycheck? I can't do that and actually make yeah. my thing. So I'm gonna have to do something else." And then they get in. The danger is they get in that thing where they rob Peter to pay Paul. So they do another Kickstarter to pay for the one that they just did. 
Mm. So that's one error. And the other error is somebody to the Kickstarter. The worst thing for you to have happen to you is to have a really good Kickstarter for the first time, like the very first one. I my my hope for everybody is that you have a decently successful but not really big one first, because it's humble. You don't think that you, you know you're perfect. You you just you're like oh you know I got 400 customers, I got thirty thousand dollars, I spent seventeen on the product. Um, you know shipping cost me this much, and I pocketed eight grand, right? Right. You spent you know nine months and you pocket eight grand. That's not you can't quit your job, but you learn some stuff. It keeps you humble. The worst thing that could happen is like the four of us do a Kickstarter and it makes two $2 million. That'd be the worst thing that could happen for us because what usually happens is those people staff up. Right. And then they waste all the money. <laughs> you know, they hire their cousin. They're like, Hey Rick, you want to come work for me? You know how to do, you know how to use Adobe Photoshop. Sure. You can be my graphic designer. And they're like, sure. I'll give you a hundred grand a year. And then he sits around and plays, you know, world of Warcraft all day long. He doesn't do any work, but he's right. your, cousin and you can't fire him well you can but you just don't know you can it's back to the so it's really just you know you have to you have to make mistakes it's, you guys have kids oh, yeah. you know, your kids have to fall down otherwise they can't learn to walk right yeah, so it's the same thing with owning a business you have to make mistakes because if you don't make mistakes you won't know how to spot them in the future so my goal my hope for people is that they'll start with something a little more to be a little more humble at the beginning start with something small you know, if it's a role-playing game, just do an adventure. Or if you want to do, you know, miniatures and stuff, do a mini or do a couple of minis. Um, just, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Just, like, ask for three grand. Fulfill one product to somebody, you know, to 30 people. And then, but treat them right, you know, and then they'll be your customers forever. And, um, and if you're doing... And, and those folks will probably tell their friends about, or, or their other gamer friends about the excellent uh, Kickstarter that arrived with, you know, that that exceeded their expectations or that met their mm -hmm. expectations. And then those folks, you know, they might not all back that next project that the person launches, maybe but, not. you know, maybe one or two more do. Well, you know, the, the thing is, um, there's a there's this group, there's science for everything right out there. But one of the studies that they do about sociology is that it's really difficult for somebody to have more than like a dozen really close relationships. Right. Right. Um, and it's almost impossible for somebody to have more than uh, 200 relationships that they're reasonably close with. You know, like this is why churches don't really grow over 200 or why it's hard to have a PTA or a, a gymnastics team or a whatever that has more than 150, 200 people, because it's it, it's really hard to keep the organization like that together. Right. Um, and it, I think the equivalent in the game business would be on uh, uh, hopefully the retailer in the group can tell me if I'm right or wrong. but um, People who start acquiring or starting more locations, you can get away with it for four or five locations. But if you want to be the guy who has, you know, franchises and stuff, you need to go from five to 50 really fast. Because the problem is that when you have 13 locations, you need the systems and the, and the stuff that a, a larger, you know, 40, 50 location company has, but you don't have the resources to afford it. And so you in like, this is what happened with Scott Thorne from Castle Perilous. This is what happened with a bunch of guys. Like uh, they 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 like have more than a half a dozen locations, and then they quickly just sell some off, right? Uh, I I think it was Scott Thorne. He's the one in um, St. Louis, right? 
I think so. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know when I visited him back in 2011, um, when I did my tour, um, he, w- he actually told us the story of how like he had two or three locations and he bought like a chain up in Michigan and they bought another chain somewhere else. And then he had it for like two or three years and then sold them off. Not because he didn't know how to run a retail store, obviously. It was because he just couldn't support it, you know? Whereas if I have four stores in the Seattle area, I can drive to all four of them. Right. It's not that hard, right? Um, so, and, and that's the thing. If you if you try to bite off more than you can chew in this industry, um, you might succeed, but chances are you won't. And uh, so I guess uh, patience is the is the thing. The second, then another thing, you know, be patient. Um, and uh, I mean, most people in this industry are not coming into the industry at seventy years old, so they've got time, right? You know. Um, but the the old joke is the best way to make a million dollars in uh, in this industry is to start with two. So, um, you know, uh, it's, it's thankfully Kickstarter has made it. So that's not necessarily true. Like when we started eating in the studios, you couldn't make like conspiracy acts when we did that, there was no such thing as POD, right? PDFs right. didn't even exist. So we had to go to Kebacore, um, or when we did a, a card game, we had to go to, I think it was tops. Really? And yeah. And, and they're like, well, you know, you need 30 grand. And, and so, you know, you mortgage a house, you know, oh. or something yep. to make a role playing game. You know, I mean, it, it's a totally different world. Kickstarter has been phenomenally great for, for, for the for the ability of publish potential publishers to mitigate their cash flow risk. Right. I wish there was something like that for the other parts of the of the industry, like, you know, distributors and retailers and whatnot. Podcasters, you know, you can, you can use Kickstarter. <laughs> distributor starter actually i don't know about the distributors i don't care as much about them as the retailers because that's where you know gamers get made that's where you grow gamers right, right. um and i think they actually do right because now you can crowdfund ownership in businesses so i guess that's how you could do it yeah um yeah, yeah we I actually don't know if... we had a board game cafe get crowdfunded uh really in burlington here yeah oh, that's so. true. They is, did, is it yeah. still yeah. around uh, yeah, uh, they technically haven't opened yet, so okay. yeah, we'll we'll see, but yeah. Okay, and I don't know if that, you know honestly, I don't know if that's even uh, a useful thing. I just uh, I, this is the one of the best times ever to be a publisher of any type of tabletop game. Is all I'm saying. Sure, and, well, I agree with that. You can get blinded by the potential and ignore the rea- and because you don't know the realities, you know. Um, I liken it to there was this uh, National Geographic type show that was um, you know filming animals in the wild and there's this one type of goose and I don't know what type of goose it is but they live up in cliffs and then um, when it's time to leave they do that so predators don't kill their babies and so when it's time to leave they the mother and the father jump down the cliff and wait for the babies to jump out of the nest and then they just bounce down the cliff and hopefully they survive. Well, they, they jump and they glide, but their their wings are too short, so they can't actually fly. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. and they're, yeah, so they end up bouncing down the cliff. Like they don't ever make it all the way to the bottom just by you know gliding. So they're gonna hit the cliff, and the, you know so the five jump out, three survive. You know, yeah. um, and are, that's really geese. what's that? Those are Arctic geese. Is that what they're called, Arctic geese? Yeah. Arctic geese. Yeah, that's what that's what their mom and well, not mom and dad. But that's what their parents do. They just, they're like, okay, it's time to go. Shove, fly, well, you, die. 
fly or die yeah and so and but honestly there's no difference in this industry you know you you when we did Ian and Sirius, it was fly or die like we, you don't know that's the other thing like play testing that gives you is the ability and kickstarter gives you the ability to know if you're going to die before you fly right or try to fly i mean there's there's nothing wrong with let's say doing a kickstarter for instance and then failing because yeah. it's better to put out your idea and fail than it mm -hmm. is to ask your mother to mortgage her house for and give you the money so that you can make your game like which one's better yeah you know? for sure um and and so uh i i think it's one of the best times to be in this industry it's also one of the worst times to be in this industry because there's so much noise it's really hard to get noticed in this industry oh absolutely um, uh, what i don't know the number but like after spiel last year i think it was something like they said something like seven or eight thousand board games came out last year it's obscene wow. number of titles that came out you guys were talking about Simon. I mean, they've cut back. AEG and Simon have cut back. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They used to. I I didn't know this, but in 2017, I think they Simon published something like 48 games. Wow. I can't. I can't name yeah. them. Yeah. I, 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 I. Me and Doug had that discussion once, where I was like, "That's the problem with Simon. Is Simon throws a game out the door like people throw out their you know weekly garbage." It's just, oh, look, a new game. Oh, look, look at this. And each of them was huge. There was no small game from CMON. It was like, yeah, we're starting off with, you know, like 25 minis and a couple of game boards. And by the time the funding cycle was over, it was 150 minis and seven boards and the box weighs 18 like, pounds. It was like a Bones project at that point, right? Exactly. Much, exactly. Yeah. And I think the other flip side of that, the other thing I've seen is people that are, so, uh, there are people that have, um, are you guys familiar with imposter syndrome? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they have had some success. Let's say they worked for another company. Uh, I've seen this a lot from the guys that are, let's say, over 35 in this industry, 30, 35. So they're old enough that they, they didn't grow up in the current reality. Um, and they tend to be perfectionists, so they don't ship anything. It's really hard to support a business if you don't have product to sell. Right. Right? Yeah, I've backed it up. All, almost everything that you've discussed, I'm like, yeah, that was this Kickstarter, and oh, that was the other Kickstarter, and yeah, that was this Kickstarter. <laughs> like all every example you've thrown out there, I'm like, okay, I can, I can literally name a Kickstarter that had this problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and you know, the funny thing is that I'm not necessarily talking about Kickstarters. That's true of any business, right? I, it doesn't oh, matter whether, yeah. it, like, you guys should treat the if you're wanting to actually make money off your podcast, if you try to treat it like a business, it would be the same thing right like you could spend three weeks editing every podcast episode to make it perfect but then nobody will listen to you because you won't put out enough podcasts for people to care right right you know um and and you know at some point your baby has to go to school it has to go away and and you know people have to try to buy it otherwise you're not um Right, and You're you've not really got... a business at that point, right? It's yeah. a hobby, and that's okay. You yeah. know, back when we did, when I started the forge, um, the uh, one of the biggest things that people argued about was this whole vanity press thing. You remember that? Were you guys cognizant of that whole debate? I don't think so. It was a pejorative that people would give people that they were just, oh, you're gaming, you're, you're not really trying to be a business. Vanity press. Oh. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, just know yourself, right? right? Know who you are and what your goals are. If if you're, look, honestly, like there's 2,600 retailers on my retailer list. 
And I guarantee you that only like 700 of them are real retailers. Most of them are like, you know, Sally's mom owns a scuba diving shop in Paradise, California, and she wants to play Warhammer with her friends in the back. So she puts a table up there and then registers a business name so she can get a discount right, on, on right. Ga- game product. That's not a real retailer, right? Exactly. Um, so, I mean, she still has product on a thing so that if, you know, so she can prove that she's a retailer for photos and stuff, but that's, she's not a real retailer. Um, her mom is right her mom the scuba shop owner is is a retailer by the way that's a real store oh is it really <laughs> yeah a real store actually it might not be there anymore because paradise had that fire so um there was a scuba diving shop in paradise california that i went to when i was on tour and it was literally a table with one of those spinning racks next to it and all it had on it was miniatures oh my god warhammer and it was literally a guy and his friends would sit there and play warhammer three times a week wow. they weren't trying to be a retailer um, but they had an account with one of my clients. So I knew that they, you know, that, so they bought product from them in the past. I think it was Reaper. I think they had bought paints from Reaper at some point. And so, um, yeah, there's really not that many real retailers in North America. There's, you know, under a thousand. Hmm. Wow. You know, yeah. That um, doesn't seem like that many at all. That's why well, you see a lot of game companies now like GW, mm-hmm. they have really strict policies on who can be a retailer and who qualifies for what level of retailer they have. And they are quick to take that license away if you don't fulfill it. You know, and I hate to, I hate to uh, say it that way. I don't mean to, I don't mean to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, haughty or talk down or whatever. I'm just saying that there's a big difference between the guy, uh, the host here that we lost. I, right. We lost Oh, Ben. Him. Yeah. Ben, ben uh, Higgins, he he had to uh, he's, he, he had works to in the I mean, morning, so it, it, I assume he's a real retailer. I've oh yeah, been to he's uh, he's the uh, co-manager of Quarterstaff Games in Burlington. They're the they're like one they're the longest running game store in the state, and they've they're probably the largest store like game store in in the state as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference between a store like that and. Um... A guy that just orders stuff from distributors so right. he can get a discount for him and his friends, and but he has a website so he can sell some stuff too. Like, yeah, that's not a retailer; that's a hobby. Right. right, right. No, we've got one or two of those here in the state as well. And, and, we but the truth is, and that's up to the publishers whether they want to sell to those people. I have no problem with people doing that, honestly. Right. If if that's what they want to do, but this, it's the same thing for retail for publishers, like. If the three of us want to get together and we want to make our double deck card game because um, we think it's cool and we don't care if 40 people buy it, we just want it for ourselves, i.e. the vanity press. It's our vanity. But so what? Like, how many self-published authors are on Amazon because they want to publish their own novels? It's so, like, this is the beauty of the world we live in. We don't have to wait for somebody to give us permission. We just do it. That's right. And... And that, you know, and, and really that's, that's the, those are the two extremes. And most, I would say 80% of the people I work with fall into one of those two extremes at first. They're either vain uh, and ignorant. And so they think that they can do better than they can do quicker than can do, you know, whatever. So uh, they're not, they're impatient. Uh, They don't know what they don't know. So they're going to make mistakes and they're unwilling to listen. And the good news is that most of those people can take a couple lumps and then learn, right? Right. Um, and then on the other side, there's the people who have taken too many lumps, and they're un- most of the time they're unsure of themselves, 
probably had a product that did well um, and that when they were working for somebody else, and then they've got imposter syndrome. They can't pull trigger. They, they just can't figure out how to publish on a regular basis because they're so scared of a customer um, being mad at them. I mean, truthfully, that's why Stonemeyer doesn't do Kickstarters anymore. If you listen to Jamie, he's like, look, man, I, I just I can't stomach the interaction uh, in the Kickstarter comments. I, I just can't. So his solution was to just go through distribution. You know he was leaving money on the table. He would sure. make way more money if he oh, would keep doing Kickstarters. But, you know, there's this thing called sanity. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Um, and, and that's oh, the thing. Some people. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's not it's not just about money, right? Some people just want to create. They don't need the money or want the money or care about the money. Like me, I I bear I don't really pay myself that much to do what I do. I put it all back into the business. Right. Um, yep. I hear you there. You know, um I I could, I could take more money out, but I'm constantly experimenting with things. So like, you know, I have a full-time video guy and all he does is follow us around and make videos of like it's like our own little reality show. Nice. Um, so, so like a vanity thing. <laughs> no, I, I well, you remember what I was saying like to me, I like sausage making. I think it's interesting, and I don't know if other people find it interesting. It's an investment in an idea to see if people actually think it's interesting. Sure. So he followed. You know, he's worked for me for ten months now, and he literally follows us around the office, follows Joey into the warehouse, and watches a bag stuff. I, you know, I go to have lunch with, you know, the guys from Sasquatch Games, and he comes and watches us. You know eat our barbecue while he uh you know so it's videos so it's, our conversation and then we do a game biz ep- uh, episode and it's you know a little of this little of that you can you know hear a skype conversation see me interviewing somebody see joey packing like boxes for a tv show almost it, that's what i was saying it's not really reality because yeah. there's no confrontation in this it's not yeah like that. yeah but, but yeah it's, 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 very, it's in the same vein docudrama in a sense yeah, it's, it's yeah. like the office only uh for for gaming Pretty much, yeah. I yeah. guess you could say it's like The Office, except we're not funny. Sure not <laughs> I have I have uh, a hard do, time wait, thinking do, about that. Do looks count? Because if looks count, we're definitely funny. <laughs> yeah. Funny looking uh, is is funny. <laughs> there we go. So yes, right. um, no, it's it, but yeah, I just uh, I I don't need the money. I I want I don't I don't not need money, but I don't need more than what I take out right and so any extra money i get i'm like oh let's see what can i do to make this better yes yes that's you know? exactly how uh, how uh, i i feel about what we do here at uh, vcg is uh mm-hmm. you know I, buy, a, buy a new mic buy some you know whatever exactly improve, improve, exactly improve. keep keep upgrading trying to figure out uh what uh what can i improve on what what can i add that uh, will add value to what we do yeah no I, to- I totally get that i will say this that um we just today had one of our clients rate a uh, rate a, re- a recommendation on linkedin for us which uh i love um love it when a customer a client um says wow um he was happy with our service first of all nice and so he's like you know not only did he do what i asked him to do but he also did this his team did this other stuff too is like great you know it was i was really happy with the service um and I, I think what people don't realize, and this goes for publishers, podcasters, retailers, how few people take the time to tell you when you're doing a good job. Mm. Like how, how much would, uh, what conventions do you guys go to? Um, 
let's see here. I go to Pax Unplugged for the that's okay. the big one that I go to. You're at you're at Pax Unplugged. You're walking around. You've got your uh, VCG and um, some awkward sixteen year old boy comes up to you, right? Mm -hmm. And says, "Hey, I just want you to know that um, I really love your show and like." I'm thinking I'm going to become a journalism major because I just really like what you guys do. I think it's so cool. Like that would make your entire trip to Philly. Absolutely. I, just that one conversation. You know what the funny thing is that like that happened to me at PAX Unplugged last year. I walked through the cool. door and one, like the first person I saw, she's like, Hey, you're Doug from VCG. And I'm like, yeah, I, whoa this is crazy and like i'm like you do you hear here's some swag you know i got to hear some swag and she's like yeah no i really like your show and and it just it was like the most amazing thing <laughs> like, like and it's not like an ego thing it was just like wow you know like what you do and, and what i mean what, what, something it does and, and yeah. it was like the greatest feeling like to uh to have that interaction Mm -hmm. and, and to start and, and really, out my convention that way was just amazing. <laughs> you can't go wrong, right? It's right. kind of like waking up for me. It's like waking up in the morning and not having a sore back. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that well, it happens so infrequently that because uh, you know, I'm old uh, that uh, that I that I know the day's going to be good. So yeah, you, you show up in Philly. Like if you go to Philly this December and you walk in and you get the same response, you're going to be like, Philly's my, you know. This, city of brotherly love there absolutely, we go right? like, absolutely yeah um no it, but the truth is that creatives whatever the people that make the stuff that you enjoy they rarely hear people saying how much they like it now they may like express to their friends how they had a good time playing but they never actually take the time to tell that person right mm -hmm. to really take the time and say you know i really appreciate what you do it, it means a lot to me you know in my friends and you know whatever whatever you know fill in the blanks because you know, uh, we know we we're on the internet. We know most people are very willing to tell you when they're upset. Oh, <laughs> but, absolutely. And but that's essentially what I get off on is helping people. This is what I do for a living. Is is I, I'm not really into marketing. Right. In right. Scene. I'm not really into sales and crowdfunding and logistics. I find them intellectually stimulating. What I'm really into is finding somebody that makes something cool, and helping them find other people that might enjoy it. So yes. that, because that's what I get off on. I, I, th this is all I do, and and it has nothing to do with gamerati. It's what I've always been. I've always been the type of person who really just likes helping. That's and, it. And uh, I'm gonna go out on limb here. Ed. You like connecting with folks. I'm, I'm assuming. Like, no, I like connecting other people with other people. So I, I, I'm. It's weird. Like, but I have to know people to do it. Right. right. So right. What I get off on is you saying, um, hey, you know, um, I want to do a comic book, but I'm not an artist. And me connecting you with Stan, who's a friend of mine, who's a comic artist. Right. And then right. seeing you guys go make a comic book together. That's what I get off on. Okay. Okay. You know, because it, it just it makes me happy to see my friends be happy. Okay. Yeah. No, I, right? I totally understand that. And I've, I've yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get so. that. I, I just like, uh, I, I just like connecting with folks in general um i, mm -hmm. I but this is from, coming from like a, a retail sales and marketing kind of standpoint where i just right. like you know like like whenever i approached a sales position or, or of any any sort like 
making the sale wasn't my number one like priority. I mean, it was eventually what I wanted to do, but it's how if, you feed your kids. But the reason you were enjoying it is because you were getting to know somebody. Exactly, and 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 I would straight say, I would straight up tell somebody like, okay, hey, they would come to me. They they'd say, okay, I'm looking for this and this and this. And I'd say, well, I've got this, but it doesn't really meet your X, Y, and Z. But you can go down the street, and this store down here will have exactly what you're looking for. Exactly. I I don't want to sell you what I have because I don't think it's going to meet every single need that you want. But this is where you will. And I'd rather have them have that interaction with me. That positive information, you know, that and positive their money, and then go, man, that guy, Doug, I hate it, him. Exactly. See, I would rather yeah. help somebody and and make sure that they got what they wanted, rather than make a sale and be because I'm just not like that. Like that's just not how I am. I'm hoping that my interaction with you was a positive one. So maybe next time when you are looking for something else you're going to remember that interaction and you're going to come back mm-hmm. and you'll be like, okay, hey, well, you didn't have this, but now I'm looking for, you know, ABC and maybe I'll have it. You know, I mean, the, that... I think, uh, years ago, and I'm when I say years ago, I mean like oh, a decade ago, there was this guy, um, I know, named Chris Brogan, a social media guy, um, and he had a statement that marketers ruin everything. And he's right. <laughs> typically right Right. so you know facebook's great and then marketers get in there right Uh, instagram (laughs) was great Uh, i agree with that yeah marketers (laughs) get in there email was great until spam (laughs) yeah yeah right marketers ruin everything but facilitators are what make things worth doing so i even though i have to say marketing for people i'm a facilitator that's what i like to do yep i really just like helping people helping I'm trying to remember the word that we used in, in chemistry class. What do you call it? Catalyst. Catalyst, yep. I like, I like being a catalyzing agent you yep. know, to help a reaction happen. Um, and because So uh, when at PAX Unplugged last year, remember when Everdell was uh, show, being shown off? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. So I met the, I met the artist, really cool guy. Uh, and all I could think of is, man, I really want to put him together with a really well-known game designer I know because I think they would make magic together. Okay. His art's cool. That art, that game designer's cool. They have this very same, like, his look is very much like the temper, temperature of this game designer. Okay. And, like, I'm like, okay, but then who's going to publish it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a publisher. Right. right? So, uh, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, I think, but, see, that's you and me. We tend to have a, a very similar uh, uh, temperament, but, you know, Rick over here might be really into um, logistical problem solving. This is why, actually, so Joey, my malicious manager, when I first hired him, he was running events for me. He sucked at it. Okay. Like, um, you know, he ran our game day, and it was terrible, right? <laughs> He's just not built for it, you know? I am. I'm really good at doing it. He was not very good at doing it. Then I had him try to do this other thing. Totally bad at it. <laughs> then I had him try to do this other thing. Really bad at it. Oh, no. Um, you know? But you know, I like I wasn't I wouldn't let him go. I 
I hired him for a reason, right? Right. right. Uh, originally, I hired him because I had a contract with a bar. They wanted us to run board game nights, and they were paying us more than I had to pay him to do it. So I hired him away from his day job. I was like, "Hey, you want to you want to play games for a living? I'll pay you full time to do it." He's like, "Cool." Nice. Okay. Right. So, sure. so that's how I hired him. Um, but uh, that contract was on a tick on a time clock, so I had to find another thing for him to do at some point. Uh, yep. Then we then we got a shipping uh, gig, um, and he just like him and, and logistics, he just, he, it clicked for him, right? He likes doing it. He, he, he's become a subject matter expert, you know? So he knows things, right? Nice. And I just love it when somebody asks me a logistics question. I'm like, I have no idea. But Joey can answer that question for you, you know? Um, and I know he really, he, everybody gets stressed, right? But I know he really enjoys the fact that he's learned something that he can actually give value to somebody because of it if they'll listen right you know and really that's kind of like what we do right and i bet you guys can do the same thing you've seen enough games talk to enough people that if you probably have a pretty good sniff test if somebody says well, this is what i'm going to do with my game and you might mm. go mm. oh yeah want to not do that one thing the first yeah. two things sound cool but that third thing eh, not so good you know right Right, and if they listen to you, great. Uh, I think, if, from my experience, so we run all the ads on Ian World and Gnome Stew and RPG Net and a bunch of a bunch of websites, right? And I can't tell you how many times somebody comes to me and they say, "I've got a budget. It's three thousand dollars to advertise my PDF on Drive Through RPG." And I'm like, "Look, um, Mark, you may only get three hundred dollars in sales." So I can't in good conscience take your $3,000. Believe me, I want to. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But then you're going you're gonna to waste your money. Right, you don't want and, that. And so yeah. nine times out of 10, they don't listen to me, right? Nine <laughs> times out of 10. No, no, no. They, they, I don't, still don't take their money, but they'll end up going spending the $3,000 somewhere else, oh, yeah. and then they'll go out of business. Somebody but one out of say, 10 yeah, times. Sure, we can do that. Right, one out of 10 times, they'll listen to me. And every once in a while, the person will come back, and it could be two years later, and they'll say, remember when you told me they wouldn't take my money? I really appreciate that. And that's a customer for – that's a client for life, oh, that per, unless I yep. screw it up somewhere else, right? And that's the same <laughs> thing with the Kickstarter, right? So right. over-promise, under-deliver, be patient, be uh, – patient again i'm going to say it again be patient <laughs> don't don't bite off more than you can chew chew and then you know just learn learn what you're doing do something the best thing for a board and card product i would say is a double deck card game something small mm -hmm. like a munchkin size game maybe something with a little some chits in it or something right yep. something yep. small That's don't don't try to shoot sort of back these days when it comes to games like that i want 20 dollars or less Something yes. that you can yeah, charge. I don't want something that's going to take up like seven feet of my shelf space. I want yep. something that I can open, have put up in like five minutes and be playing. Yeah. And so, but if I'm, if, if we wanted to start a, a game company, probably I would want to start with a, a double deck card game or really like a micro game or something like, you know, um, Gameland does, you know, it's that size box, yep. right? Yep. Something small um, that we can charge $20 or less for. So it's a, an impulse buy. Because the truth is that most people don't play a game more than three times anyway. So um, if they're spending twenty bucks, they got seven dollars of uh, that's half as expensive as going to a movie. Right. So they had they made good. You now it's 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 good. Yeah. Um, good you know, get it out quickly. The best is to have it done before you even go to Kickstarter. You know, 
um, and then uh, and then just fulfill it and and make you know make good on your promise and then do your next thing. You can always get more and more complex over time, you sure. know. Yeah. Just find out um, if someone's actually interested in what you're doing first, and then fulfill that, and then mm -hmm. think about maybe well maybe I can add something like this. <laughs> sure, and you know the great thing about once you start being creative, the creative juices flow even more and more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the same thing. Uh, I've had members of my family, for instance, that suffer from depression. Um, and the, the downward spiral that happens when you have depression, it's really hard to pull yourself out of. And so one of the things I found that works is like, just find one thing that you can do that you can accomplish and, and be draconian in your protection of the value that you can get out of that. You know, and that's, you know, if there's a situation or a person that's causing you to feel like crap, you know what, get rid of them. Absolutely. You know, protect yeah. your, get the positive in your life. And that could be just as simple as cleaning the table off of the dirty dishes. If that's all you can do today, fine, do that, you know, but you did something. Yep. And, and, and it's the same thing with publishing, right? Like you, you don't have to do Cthulhu Wars the first time. Chances are you won't anyway. Right. Absolutely. You'll you'll either screw it up or you won't ever publish. Like you'll never actually pull trigger on it. Either one is bad. Right. Um. So just do something. Um. Make a podcast. You can do that too. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst way to make money in this industry. <laughs> you yep. you guys you guys have the worst uh, have chosen the worst <laughs> way to make money because nobody wants to pay for it. And yep. uh, and it's really hard to show value. Yeah. Yeah, and and everybody uh, everybody underestimates the the amount of of work that uh, everybody sees the finished product, but they don't see it's it's just like board games. Everybody sees the uh, mm -hmm. the the finished product, but they don't see the the uh, back and forth and the the back end stuff. And and again, this is where I think that uh, you know having some sort of avenue to see all that take place would actually be a good thing. And and I would think that there would be folks you know interested in that but that's coming from someone that does deal with the you know the back end of you know audio and visual and and uh those types of mediums and you know the... in 2012 i went to ReaperCon and i sat down with ed poo the pug or i don't know how to pronounce his last name i'm so embarrassed p-u-g-h yep how would you pronounce that pew q okay let's say ed pew uh, and I, he was telling me that the point of his conversation with me was to kind of give me the secret sauce as to why it's called Reaper Games, Reaper Miniatures. And I don't know this. So they were accountants. And most of their customers were manufacturing clients. And they're like, well, if we really want to understand manufacturing, we probably should manufacture something. And mm -hmm. uh, so they decided to make a company. And they were watching Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey at the time. <laughs> and so they called it Reaper Minis. No kidding. Oh my god. Oh, Seriously? I am I am not kidding. That's the greatest story ever. That is yep. awesome. That's yep. so That's funny. why it's called Reaper. Because don't fear the Reaper. You know? Oh, that's awesome. And why are we talking about why are we talking about this? Like, wow, I'm old. My brain just emptied. Uh making money. I don't know. Yeah, we were talk. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, you know, how how oh you were saying about the sausage making okay. yeah yeah so here, here's the thing joey does have a game that he's been designing uh it's called project swarm because he wouldn't have a name for it yet um but there's monsters swarming in it and so we've been re recording him working on it for the last 10 months um wow. 
and off and on, not everything. But I think I think what would be cool as a project is like start from the beginning, in it from ideation all the way through publication. Yes. And and record the entire process. Like I wonder, like maybe some of the footage we have with Joey, I'll put it into like a series so that people can see, like, hey, this is just what we got because we weren't really concentrating on it. But maybe I could do like like that might be a valuable Kickstarter. Right, but like, hey, if we get enough money, I can afford to hire a full-time videographer to do nothing but make an entire series out of like, like a, a like an Uber documentary, like an Ur documentary about like creation of a product. It would That's take two one. years to do the whole thing because you'd have to like hire somebody like locally so you could video them. Right, right. right. But like, literally, just like take the whole process and maybe it would be something like with discord you guys have a discord like you know set up a private room where you're like you know if you're a backer you get to go and like talk about it and maybe give suggestions and stuff like a shared world type thing i guess i don't know i don't know it might be fun yeah no i, I think that would be awesome that would be pretty pretty well the, um uh, vaguely they did something like that with dwarven forge um when they did that documentary um that went on netflix um a while back where they were basically followed it from you know the core of how the idea happened and where it's gone to now it was it was very niche but it was super fascinating to watch yeah that was like three years ago right uh, i think so yeah coming up on three now wow i didn't even know that was um, on there yeah i remember when jay uh sent me the link we've helped him with his kickstarters in the past so um yeah i think it was like about three years ago yeah it was called dwarvenaut <laughs> yeah yeah cj is one of those guys that's a pleasure to work with he's so such a nice guy nice yeah and those are the folks that you want to see succeed too right i mean the folks mm -hmm. that he's just... such an unassuming unbelievably enthusiastic man <laughs> all so right I'm, telling you, I'm typing right now because kevin wilson just sent me a, a message to about his latest game he's working on that we're doing the Kickstarter for. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Stuff, stuff of Legend. Um, it's from a company called uh, Third World Studios. They did um, Arcane Academy. You remember that? It's based on a kid's autism. Yeah. 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 Actually, that is cool. That is a yes. really cool game. Their next game. So that was a Kevin Wilson, Eric Lang game. They right. worked on a game together called the Arcane Academy. And the next one that Kevin's doing for him is called Stuff of Legend. So um, Third World Studios does a New York Times bestselling comic um, graphic novel series called Stuff of Legend. It's um, the kids' toys. Think like a really dark Pinocchio. Yeah, I've met thing, those right? guys. Yeah, Dude, they were Disney had the rights last to year. that. They did, yeah. yeah. There is a possibility of a movie at some point. Um, but uh, I don't know. They bought Marvel. Who knows whether they're ever going to get around to it. Right. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, so Kevin's doing the game, the board game for Stuff of Legend. It was actually at PAX Unplugged last year. Um, oh, how did Joey, I my that? logistics guy, was running the demos. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, he's just he, oh, so cool. He just sent me a, the new map. It's so Oh, it's so beautiful. How did I miss that? Here, I'll see if I can find I, the videos we made are on there. Yeah, I want to take a look at that because those guys were super, super cool. I saw them at uh, quite a few different conventions. Um, yeah, they were at uh, PAX South, uh, Gen Con. The um, where else were they? The I mean, just just the comic artists, um, the comic creators. Charles, of... Will, Char Charlie Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenally cool dude. Yeah, he's super, yeah. super awesome. 
He's a really sweet guy. So here's their Facebook page, and there's a number of videos. I'm putting it in the, um, what do you call it, the Discord chat? Yep, yep. Uh, podcast, there it is. That's their Facebook page. Uh, I'm going to see if I can find the video we made from PAX Unplugged last year. I can't believe I missed the, uh, the PAX Unplugged demo. How did I not? They'll be there again this year. Or you know what? You guys had a big backdrop, right? It said Stuff of Legend on the back. Well, on I'm... one side and then Arcane Academy on the other. I yeah. wonder if... That was it. I almost remember seeing something like that and not... And thinking, oh man, that almost looks like the comic, but I can't imagine that they'd have a uh, a game... I, I don't know why I didn't put two and two together. Oh, here. I, have, I found the video. So this is the PAX Unplugged video we made for Stuff a Legend, the YouTube link. Mm. I'm definitely going to watch that here in a second. You can actually see part of it in this Game Biz episode. Remember the, the docudrama or whatever? Um, the second video I'm putting is, is one of our first, it's from October of last year, but it's me talking to Mike from uh, Third World Studios about Stuff a Legend, and we actually got a prototype, and we were messing around with it that's cool is it so cool. is it uh, a dungeon crawl type of game no it no look um, like it. there's uh, like there's it's... locations in the world and the pathways between the locations and the troops the minions of the bad the, the bad the big bad at the end that are you know trying to hurt you um so you're you're basically it's kind of like alice in wonderland running away from the minions of the, of the queen of hearts you know um, but essentially, the 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 boy uh, has to try to. Sorry, the the toys want to save the boy, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, you're trying to basically there's you have to find the exit, but there it's, there's like five possible exits, and you're not sure which one it is. You can always guess, but if you guess wrong, that's bad. Right. Um, <laughs> um, so. Um, yeah, it's based on the on the comic book. So I guess they they do just big graphic novels, and they've done two big graphic novels um, for omnibuses. And um, I guess it wins awards. It's good writing, good art, good yeah. direction, and stuff. Charlie's a great artist, and Mike, who you probably met, thin guy, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looks like an early. Um, what was the guy, the actor from uh, Can't Buy Me Love? Remember that movie? Oh, um, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Kinda I know what like, you're talking about. He looks like a, a yep. non-dorky version of that guy. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, he's the he's the writer and does the inks. So one of the writers anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah. So anyways, Kevin Wilson's doing the board game and he just sent me a photo of the, of the, uh, of the new coins, which are beautiful. Sure. They look like some, they're definitely distressed. That's become a um, big like, thing in Kickstarters these days is coins. There's, everything has a coin with it now, or as a token, or even as an extra. No, this is actually a part of the game. So there's uh, revenge. In, so um, whether or not you're, this element of the game is a revenge element or a loyalty element. So if it's on loyalty, then it's good for the boy. If it's a revenge element, then it's a good for the, the big bad. And so things happen during the game that flip the coin over. So um, think about it like um, 
if loyalty is up, then certain things go better for you. If revenge is up, then certain things go worse for you. You know, mm. like that. Yeah, um, I like it. And so it is actual part of the game. And I think what they're going to do is make an optional, you know, you can get a metal coin instead of a plastic coin, you know, which yep. like I upgrade. do see a lot in Kickstarters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. I haven't seen the new map yet. And I just, he just shared that with me. And it is beautiful. Can can you say who's putting, I mean, I'll, I'll, I can edit all this out since we're kind of mm -hmm. just. Who's putting what? Who's who's publishing this? That's through World Studios. Oh, it That's is the, the, the Arcane Academy guys. Oh, it's their game, and Kevin Wilson. They hired Kevin Wilson to make the board gotcha, game. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then they hired us to do all the marketing and crowdfunding and stuff for them. So, oh man, this is awesome. I don't even know how we met them. That's oh, I do, Kevin Wilson. So this is this this is the story of how things happen when you do right by people, right? Remember right. We're talking about. Right. Do a Kickstarter, do it for 30 people. Then next time, maybe it's 50, and then maybe it's 200, you know, that kind of thing. So um, Cat Patrick Capera used to work at Alderac Entertainment Group mm -hmm. with Kevin Wilson. They made a game called Spycraft. You may have heard of it. Mm -hmm. It's like the original espionage game, uh, among other things. They worked on, you know, Legend of the Five Rings, for instance. Um, so Kevin went off and started being an independent game designer, did things like Sid Meier's Civilization, <laughs> You know, I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Not the name uh, drop or something. Mm -hmm. You know, not that the guy has any talent or anything. He's probably one of the best 10 game designers out there, right? <laughs> and so he went off and did his thing, and Patrick started Crafty Games. And so they got the Mistborn license from Brandon Sanderson. And so when they wanted to do a Mistborn Ooh. board game, who did he turn to? Brandon San or um, Kevin Wilson. It's mm -hmm. like, you go to your friend who happens to be, like, one of the best game designers there is. And so... I am working for Crafty Games, and um, I'm sorry, they're my client, and I run their Kickstarter for Born House War, which is Kevin's baby, and it goes well. So when his friends over at Third World Studios want to do a, a new game, and they're like, oh, we need help, he's like, well, talk to Ed. I mean, this is totally word, word of mouth, but that's how this happens. That is how that is how your business grows. It's much cheaper than paying for it. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you have to pay for you have to pay to to market a Kickstarter. There's no way you can do a good Kickstarter without paying something. You either pay with time or money, one or the other. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sorry, man. We've been talking. I, I we've been talking for two and a half hours and I know you said it was a 90 minute episode. <laughs> That's do all you, right. uh, you feel free to chop it up if you want to. Um, yeah. No, um, I, 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 I love I, uh, I realize I love it went too this. long. No, it's OK. Yeah, I. I this has been a really cool conversation. It actually really. <laughs> I mean, has. I'm willing to have more. Yeah, I, I. I that's why I haven't I like. Uh, that's why I haven't, you know, wrapped it up uh, at this point because I'm really digging all this. Yeah, if it was me talking, he'd be like, Jason. Yeah, I would say, shut up, Jason. Jason, Jason just go to bed. <laughs> well, you know, I I work 14 hours a day doing nothing but logistics, crowdfunding, and marketing. So. I got lots of things to talk about. The problem is in this industry that there's just, it's a small industry and not very many people have the experience to yeah. do some of these things. And if they do, they get snatched up by bigger industries. And it's not just marketers and, and stuff. It's, you know, game designers. You're a really good role-playing game designer. At, let's say was Coast, chances are a video game company is going to steal you. Sure. Because they're going to pay you three times what somebody else is going to pay you in this industry. Um, so... Uh, there's a definite need for people with talent in this industry um, that can be affordable. 
since I don't generally need the money, I just uh, charge far less than what I'm worth, which is what you guys do with the podcast. You know, yeah. There's no way that you could be paid $40 an hour for the number of hours it takes you to make this podcast. No, no. Nobody would even... pay it. Exactly. So, and I'm not just talking about you, Doug. I'm talking about like all of your hosts. Think about it that oh, way. Oh, yeah. No, know? I, I so, know. Yeah. There's just much to more... record the show, it's like what that's two, three people times two hours. That's like six, six hours right there. It's $250 and you haven't even produced the show yet. Exactly. So, I mean, but Jason just does it for free anyway. Uh, yeah, I would do it for free regardless. <laughs> Jason, you should never say that out loud. <laughs> well, you know, he'll, no, I'll no, make him edit dude, that out. Dude, dude, just have him like give you a dollar. <laughs> so at least you can say I, you, you're a professional. You see, so you can say you're a professional podcaster. I have the only existing um, uh, Dumpstat T t-shirt outside of uh, the United States of America. This is true. Right now. <laughs> oh, so you get you get you get prestige. Oh yeah, I get prestige. Oh, okay. Actually, I, actually I by the way, like mad the props on the t-shirt line by. Oh, um, it's, thanks. I, it's a it's a really smart move, and I bet it um does well for you getting new audience members. They come in, and, you know, I, I'm guessing that you use you find new I, audience yeah. members. Yeah, I wore it on the weekend, and two people stopped me in the street to ask about it. Just strangers, random strangers that I ran into. There's, one guy had no idea what tabletop role playing was, and the other guy was like, "That is so awesome! Where can I get one of those?" And then I told which him, one were you wearing though? Um, the uh, the one that says "Dexterity is my dump stat." <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it's definitely. Uh, uh, this is totally. We'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll. I'll do an outro. Sure, we will. But, I believe you. <laughs> but it, I, it inspires so many conversations that I didn't expect. Like mm -hmm. with the t-shirt line, like it's amazing when you wear that t-shirt out and about people stop you and they, they either don't know what it is or what it's referring or to, do. or <laughs> they're like, Oh my God, you're one of us. You know, it's just, it's right. like, it's such a great reaction that I didn't even expect to happen. Uh, when, when Amanda and I were just talking about this, you know, when we were, uh, we were just like, oh, you know, this would be kind of a cool little, you know, uh, t-shirt line. It'd be, it'd be, you know, we'd, we'd sell, we'll a sell few. seven of them. Yeah, we'll, you we'll sell a couple, you know, a couple dozen. No. Vanity Press. We sold hundreds of these shirts. It was crazy. We had stores ordering them by the hundreds. It was just, it was awesome. And it was just like, and then people started wearing them. And then I'd hear reports of people like, oh, yeah, I wore it out. And like, five people stopped me. Or I had this great conversation with this total stranger about playing D and D, and it was—it's like all of a sudden you get all this feedback, and it's just like, oh my god, this was amazing! Why is this? Why is this happening? And then, and then you get to wear the shirts out and about. It, it, yeah, it, it just—it—it it had this whole after effect that that I didn't even anticipate, which is just awesome. You know, we noticed on the plane going back from Pax Unplugged last year. I get on a plane, there's what, maybe 150, 160 people on a plane? Mm -hmm. Like a normal size plane? We counted seven people with um, Captain America field apparel. Oh, really? Like t-shirts, sweatshirts, you know, yep. wearing something on their upper torso that had Captain America's shield thing going on. And uh, it was just like, yeah, I mean, it's they could just look at each other and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, 
it's we live in this age where like if i had wore a captain america apparel in high school people would have been like dude you're such a dork no they would have been like wait man that's like uh where are you from texas it's like one star (laughs) well that too yeah but like it's such a it's so different now than when it was when i was in high school like Mm, i can't imagine like like my daughter plays all these games and everything and she tells folks that she plays her and it's like if I had told my friends that, like, I want to play D&D, or I want to play a role-playing game, or I want to play a board game, or I really love superhero movies. Like, I would have been picked on forever. I would have been, like... You had, you had wrong friends, man. Like, me and Tom McDonald lived two blocks away. We were in the Boy Scouts together. We played soccer together, and we watched WWF together, and listened to heavy metal together, and we played D&D together. Yeah. Like, that was it. Like my world w- revolved around soccer, Boy Scouts, Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> Hulk Hogan, awesome. and D and D. I oh, mean, that was man. it. That was that was my childhood. That, That's there amazing. There was nothing else, um, <laughs> which explains a lot about me, I guess. Oh uh, no! I never that... had a mullet though. <laughs> it's never too late, man. Yeah, never gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> Although the guy who cut my hair recently tried to do it, like, so I'm in town. I'm getting ready to go to Gen Con, so I wanted to go um, get a haircut. And I saw there was a place that says Straight Razor Shave. I I love Straight Razor Shave, so I had to go. Sure. And so I had to get a haircut, and I'd never been there before. So I told the guy what I wanted, and apparently he um, um, thought that I wanted something else. <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna have to probably go get my haircut somewhere else. Oh, I go to Gen no. Con. It's uh, he, he cut my hair like I was a 14 year old Japanese schoolboy. <laughs> like it, it, like it pops out, like a, like I, like he thought I wanted to have a wing on the top of my head, like the you know this flock of seagulls type, you know, like poofing oh, out. On, man. Like, like, like I'm shaped like a cartoon character. Oh, you know, no. like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. Yes, like yeah, like like how it like so. I mean, I don't put anything in my hair, so I don't the product problems or anything like that. But so I just realized that I'm like, why is this bugging me so much? And I was like, because he didn't actually cut half of my hair. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. But the straight razor shave was awesome. That's can't awesome. can't recommend that enough. All right, let's. We should call this uh, a session. Let's uh, let's close <laughs> out. Uh, let's see here. Uh, For anybody who actually made it this far into the episode, yeah, exactly. Congratulations. <laughs> this this will be the uncut uh, episode that or uncut. Uh, you almost Patreon. What's that? Chunk of this is a supercut. I get a supercut. Supercut. <laughs> super yeah. Um. All right, Ed. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on and being our future p- content for uh, for this episode. If folks would Anytime. like to know more about Ed Healy and Gamerati, where should they go? Easiest thing for Gamerati is just Gamerati everywhere. It's Gamerati on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, uh, Instagram. Um, Gamerati.com is our homepage, but it's getting redone right now, so just kindly ignore it. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I am... Um, on I guess Twitter EP Healy, Instagram EP Healy. I don't know what I am on YouTube or on um Facebook, but I think I've screwed up Facebook. I think I'm Ed Healy on Facebook. 
but uh, yeah, nice. pretty much gamer. The easiest way to get a hold of me is send any any email. It doesn't matter. It could be um, vcggaming at gamerani.com, and I will get it. <laughs> okay. There's only like three uh, email addresses that go to specific people other than me. Everything else goes to me, so... That's going to do it for this episode of the Chaotic Goodcast. I want to thank my fellow casters, Jason Hunt, Ben Higgins, and Healy for this episode. It was chaotic, but it was so good. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. It's a good, it's a good, um, what do you call that at the end of a show? It's a good tagline, yeah. Exactly.